Hello, this is another episode of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast, hopefully your favorite podcast about giant monsters and Japanese fantasy. I am your host, Kyle Bird. I am joined uh, with some familiar voices. My co-host, Matt. Hi, yeah, Matt. there you are. <laughs> <clears throat> he is uh, uh, thrilled to be here um, because... Uh, this was pretty last minute, right? Uh, yeah. We've rescheduled this damn thing. <laughs> 12 times. Yeah, so, so when the listeners wa- are wondering why this came out a month after the, after the series, uh, it is due to scheduling conflicts. We are joined by our friend Tom, who you hear often on here you do hear often uh yes no that was uh i was part of the most recent reschedule (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) technically didn't you make it like we recorded this earlier because we were gonna record it later in the week so tom actually did us a solid and made us record it tonight is i don't know if that's a solid like it's a (laughs) weeknight (laughs) you know (laughs) um anyway and host number three for the evening is our buddy kevin or four whatever (laughs) you do need a calculator for this episode bird for the uh, record i've been incredibly amenable to whatever time these knuckleheads come up with except for this weekend right you're you're going out Somewhere. I am going out this weekend, but you know, Sunday I was like, okay, well, I'm I'm going to be driving seven hours, but sure, I can I can talk after that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Godzilla Singular Point, the anime series. Uh, I guess I can't say it just came out, um, but it finally it came out on Netflix in the states something like three weeks ago, and uh, people have thoughts. Including us. That's why we're we're here. Um, so this, I think this this is like a weird thing that happened with this, right? Because it was some like I don't remember what the name of it was. I don't have it in front of me, but it's not really important. But some like no name Twitter account last October posted like a uh, picture of the yeah. cast and was like, "There's this Godzilla anime singular point coming," and everyone was just like, "What?" and then. If you looked at that Twitter account, the whoever owns that Twitter account said, like, I'm only going to post fake news from now on. And so there were, like, a whole bunch of troll posts. 
And so, and we were among the guilty parties here, you know, who were saying, okay, everyone's seeing this tweet, but just settle down. This isn't, like, this isn't happening, right? And then, like, literally less than 24 hours, the the announcement was made with the same artwork by Toho. So I still don't know what the deal was with that, and that same Twitter account has not been brought up since. It was probably like Toho's Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was like one of the guys at Toho, it was like their personal Twitter and they forgot to like <laughs> they forgot to switch accounts or something. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, yeah. it had like two posts on it. Um so it, it 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 does seem to be something that legitimately leaked, but first of all how people found it I'm not entirely clear about because again there were like two posts on that account and like, one of them was this, and one of them was Doraemon, which I guess there is actually a lot of, like, overlap between yeah, I was gonna these say productions. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I guess we'll give some background, and then we'll kind of get into just what what we thought of the show. Um, I don't think... I mean, I, I think we we can try our best to explain some of the science stuff in here, but in the future, there will be an episode devoted just to that. Um, so, you know, it's nothing I think we should get too crazy with. Um, and I'm going to... Maybe I'll just start say this now. I'm going to preface this with, with a quote from the screenwriter Toe Enjo. Uh, he says, I'm sure there's many people who will say they can't understand the sci-fi elements, but we've made it so even if you don't understand, you'll be fine. Actually, the characters are smarter than me, so there are plenty of times when the logic they espouse is lost on me. Um, so let's keep that in mind. Uh, I think what he says is mostly true, um, but let's, you know, I, I, I cannot find a single, like, conversation about this show where people aren't getting hung up on the minutiae <laughs> of all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> so this started development all the way back in 2017, it's about f- that's four years ago, if you can believe that. That's before the release of the Polygon, uh, their first in their anime trilogy. Um, like the trilogy, it, w- it was it was fast tracked because they wanted to uh, use the popularity of anime around the world to expose Godzilla to new audiences. Um, also, shout out to Matt Burkett, whose research I am going to. Uh, shamelessly regurgitate for the next few minutes. Um, he's like the only English speaker I know that's actually bothered to get a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff translated um, from this uh, from this show. Um, but he does the Monstrosities YouTube channel, and a lot of the stuff I'm talking about can be found um, in his videos there, so I recommend checking those out too. Um, anyway, Evan this probably also has, and he just hasn't collated it all yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a co-production between Toho and then two, not one, but two anime studios, Bones and Orange. Um, so, as our anime guru, I kind of am gonna I'm gonna pass this over to Kevin to kind of tell us about these two studios. Um, and just where we might know them, and and so on and so forth. Sure. Uh, so I think the 
for uh, for Bones, they would be best known probably to audiences for uh, Full Metal Alchemist, although that was several years ago now. Uh, for the the more recent anime fans, uh, they've been doing uh, things like uh, Mob Cycle 100 and My Hero Academia, which uh, that one is a is a Toho co-production as well. So that's kind of that's. Um, little uh, wheelhouse that they're in uh but they do have a lot of uh, interesting sort of uh kaiju and and uh superhero adjacent titles like concrete revolution uh dragon pilot which was produced by shinji higuchi and um they did a, a skull man adaptation kind of adaptation uh a few years back as well so they uh they're kind of a tokusatsu adjacent anime from time to time uh Studio Orange is newer, and they do a lot of CGI animation. So you would know uh, if you're if you're steeped in this stuff. Uh, probably their biggest hit right now is B Stars, which is also uh, uh, one of these Netflix uh, jams where it, it airs in Japan and gets put in Netflix jail, and then uh, eventually drops on on US Netflix in a big uh, block. I think that's just coming out. The second season is coming out soon, uh, and they also did a, a series called uh, *Land of the Lustrous*, which will uh, probably not get a second season and will just make us all sad. So, would it be fair to assume then that Bones did the 3D animation, and or Orange did the 3D animation, and Bones did the 2D stuff here? I would definitely assume that. Okay. I was wondering about that, and I knew you would be able to answer me. Um, so, uh, this series, the chief director um, was Atsuki Takahashi, and screenwriter is uh, To Enjo. Um, and uh, this came about because Toho, the, the producer at Toho Animation, their animation branch, uh, Takashi Yoshizawa, was impressed by... Um, Takahashi's Doraemon film, which I guess is a sci-fi film? I don't know. Is that... Kevin, have you seen... Is that something you can speak to at all? Uh, I have not seen that particular uh, Doraemon film. That was the the one uh, where they're in the art Antarctic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but generally speaking, you know, Doraemon is about a, a cute blue robot cat from the future that helps out his, his Japanese school children friends and... Um, so yeah, sci-fi. <laughs> do we do we know anything about Takahashi? Because like, he doesn't really seem to have a whole lot. I the, mean, I'm I'm only just the the, yeah. only, the only thing I can tell you is that he's like he's a he was a key animator for Ghibli, so he's a Ghibli alum. I think he was a second. I think he was first AD on Spirited Away, maybe. Um, but yeah, Kevin can probably tell you a little bit more. Uh, for for Takahashi, yeah, uh, I, I think you're confusing him with the the monster designer. No, they they okay. The monster designer, they both worked on. They're both Ghibli alumni. Um, <laughs> but while I Google that, uh, can you tell us something else about him? <laughs> uh, yeah. So so Atsushi Takahashi. Um, He's, he's not a, a major name, but you know he did do the the uh, Doraemon movie. He also directed the uh, Blue Exorcist movie, 
uh, and did storyboards on that TV series, which is probably how he knows the uh, the fellow that wound up doing the character designs for Singular Point because he was the mangaka for Blue Exorcist. Uh, aside from that, he did a little bit of uh, directing here and there. Uh, probably the most notable series is Ride Back, which is old and, and not all that notable a series, let's let's face it. Uh, and then he, he did some other work for Studio Bones, including storyboards on... Um, uh, Mob Psycho 100 and uh, Dragon Pilot, so that's kind um, of his. Uh... Yeah, I have it. I have him pulled up now. Um, so he was um, uh, second unit director for Spirited Away. Um, there's a, a yeah the the other guy um, that designed the monsters. He was the key the key animator. So I did get them mixed uh, up. Yeah. I got them mixed up, but in the wrong but i got them mixed up and then you had what i had mixed up reversed it's all messed up um and now i'm mixed up (laughs) (laughs) anyway yeah i'm i'm seeing he's been most like kind of what kevin said he he has been most prolific it looks like is a storyboard guy i also see like satoshi khan's paranoia agent on here um uh, My Hero Academia, yeah, Mob Psycho, Lupin the Third. So it looks like that. It looks like directing is is not his primary gig. At least it wasn't until the 2010s, because that's when you start to see more from him. Um, okay. Which is a typical sort of uh, trajectory for uh, for people in animation that kind of work their way up to to director is the kind of end all be all. Yeah. Right. And then Enjo is is known as like pretty well in the literary world. Yeah, he's a uh, a novel a sci-fi novelist and an and an actual real physicist, like a, a real yeah. actual physicist, which explains and, a lot. <laughs> yeah, well well this is actually I found a, a quote about him and his writing style in from from the literary magazine Asymptote. Toa Enjo's stories are known for their scientific lucidity and literary impenetrability. His language and writing style, however, belie his background as a physicist. Topics woven into his stories include science, but also linguistics, literary theory, and philosophical approaches to the imagination. His complicated narrative structures are the subject of heated discussions and have even evoked harsh reviews calling his work indigestible, (laughs) sleep-inducing, and reader-unfriendly. And, um, <laughs> that right there, like, I mean, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, bury the lead too much or whatever, but like, I, I quite liked singular point, but that right there is like a perfect, if you don't know anything about singular point, reread or re-listen to that, that quote about Toe Enjo and kind of know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, I was gonna say, Kevin, you're. I think uh, you're the only person I know that's actually read his books, or at least a book, right? Yeah. So you know, I was I was familiar with him from his work on um, Empire of Corpses, which was uh, sort of co-written with uh, Project Ito. So I wasn't really sure. I liked Empire of Corpses a lot more than I liked uh, Project Ito's other stuff. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe. Maybe this stuff I like is coming from Toenjo then. Uh, and then when uh, when uh, he was attached to uh, Singular Point, I'm like, okay, well, this is my excuse to go back and, um, you know, 
go uh, check out some of his stuff. So I, I read uh, The Squirrel Awakens, which was a short story, and then I also picked up the self-reference engine. And oh boy, self-reference engine is, is something. That is, uh, that is dense. The title alone sounds like something that would be <laughs> like impenetrable. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Um, there's a there's a lot of uh, people going backwards and forwards in time. A lot of a uh, lot of pros that uh, you you will have a hard time making heads or tails of sometimes. <laughs> so I've I've I posted you know like just taken pictures of some of the pages and posted those on the blog. So I'm not gonna bother trying to to repeat them here, but uh, it's uh, it, it can be a, a challenge. I, I actually I didn't finish self-reference engines. So. <laughs> um, the interesting thing here, and this maybe shows you a little bit, I guess, and there's good and bad to this, but the the way what Toho basically does with creators now is, is so so they offered it to Takahashi after his his Doraemon movie, and they there were no story ideas in mind. Um, all they told Takahashi was as long as it was Godzilla, he could do nearly anything. You know, he still had to adhere to a lot of the, some of the same rules everyone has to do, like Godzilla can't eat people and and things like that. Um, and uh, so, yeah, very different from how Tanaka and and Tamiyama operated. Um, and he didn't want to repeat any old storylines and wanted to do something different. Um, so he, he wanted to do something more grounded in modern uh, science. And, and <clears throat> uh, he intentionally avoided um, doing any kind of monster of the week kind of storytelling that most, you know, giant monster centric shows um, did. And uh, Enjo was originally hired on as a science advisor, and then he just started doing all this crazy stuff. Like, he was plugging in monster stats into, like, actual computers to draw diet, to, like, map out diagrams of how they would actually move and stuff. And he was doing crazy things like that, and they were just like, uh, you just write the thing <laughs> you're already doing so much stuff <laughs> just just go ahead and write it like he <laughs> um and so he became the the primary screenwriter um and unlike most uh projects there there were no pre-existing storyboard outlines before scripting um if anyone listening doesn't know in especially like in anime the typical thing is you you storyboard out the story and, you know, in the storyboard, I don't know what you want to call them, captions or whatever, you basically write out the story, you know, a, a, a rough, rough script kind of with the storyboards. Um, they didn't have... Like you're making a manga. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, they didn't have that here, um, which uh, was a bit of a challenge uh, for Takahashi just because... Um, visualizing, visualizing his writing style was, was crazy. Um, he said in most cases, an anime of a TV, uh, a TV show anime episode lasts about 20 minutes and there's about 300 cuts with an average of six seconds per cut. But in singular point, it was common to have, you know, 10 to 20 seconds of dialogue, which is very unusual. Um, and you know, anyone that's seen the series will know, you know, I mean, there's times where you're just watching people text 
<laughs> and you know <laughs> and and you hear the voices reading the text so um uh and then another challenge they came uh, came into was um deciding when Godzilla would appear and how to structure the show around Godzilla um Toho actually tried to get them to make Godzilla show up as early as possible um, which they kind of pushed back on. Enjo uh, pushed back. He said, oh, if 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 they introduce Godzilla, you know, once every two episodes or six six times within thirteen episodes, that uh, audiences will get bored. Um, the Godzilla fandom might have something to say about that, <laughs> but I think normal audiences, you might be able to make a case for. Um, but yeah, he he certainly has never met a guy uh the godzilla fandom that's for sure um uh he wanted the environment to be grounded uh where it felt real um uh he said shin Go- the the environment of shin godzilla is kind of like the world where he wanted this to take place kind of um and then we get to the guy uh me and kevin were mixing up back and forth that is uh A.G. yamamori who was who was yes key animator on Spirited Away, but he's another Ghibli um, alumni, um, Ghibli animator and designer. Um, and then uh, human characters were designed by Kazuo Kato. Uh, is that a person that you have anything to say about Kevin? I don't know who that is. Uh, yeah, so uh, Kazuo Kato is the uh, uh, mangaka for Blue Exorcist. Uh, and, and, uh, that's a, a Shonen that's Jump series that was okay. relatively popular, I guess. It's... Seem, it seems like Ghibli and Blue Exorcist are where we're getting, like, a lot of overlap in talent here. Yeah, yeah, quite, quite possibly. Um, it's, it's, yeah, that's, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about Blue Exorcist in terms of it is, it is the very, like, Five out of ten, middle of the road, doesn't do anything particularly great or particularly terrible sort of show. <laughs> it exists. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the human characters, Takahashi said that uh, he was inspired by Japanese detective characters. And um, he said that uh, as far as how they compare to Godzilla characters, he said his favorite human characters in the franchise are the ones who are incapable of aggressively fighting the monsters. So, you know, they don't have a bunch of weapons, they're not piloting a mecha, stuff like that. Um, And uh, Toho did insist on using older monsters, you know, whenever possible. They would recommend monsters for scenes where, you know, a minor monster might be required. Um, But Takahashi and uh, Toho animation producer um, Takashi Yoshizawa had the final say in the monster choices. Um... And uh, Takahashi Yamamori and uh, the concept artist Yuji Kaneko um, were the ones that were in charge of finalizing the monster designs. Um, Kaneko decided uh, on the colors and textures of the monsters, and he was kind of the in-between um, between Yamamori and the 3D animation staff, uh, which was a challenge. Uh, every monster design changed you know, five to six times a piece. Um, and Yamamori was supervising the monster animation, and he was a 2D vet, you know, coming from Studio Ghibli and stuff. Um, so he had a hard time adapting to the 3D method. Um, so that production-wise, that was probably the biggest hurdle, um, so much that Takahashi ended up having to kind of step in 
and kind of like be like, okay, old timer, <laughs> here's you know, here's how here's how the 3D stuff <laughs> how it works. It's not what you're used to. Yeah, the Kaneko guy that uh, the the Kaneko guy that you uh, mentioned had uh, done um, uh, a short called Power Plant Number Thirty Three. Oh, is that, that the a... Power Plant Thirty Three guy? Yeah, I love Power Plant Number Thirty Three. That mm-hmm. is an awesome kaiju anime short that I would suggest anyone listening go check out. He's awesome. Where's his movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess that that's a little bit of just how this uh, series kind of kind of came to be. Um, does any is anyone bold enough to do a plot summary? <laughs> You're gonna make me do it, aren't you? I've never heard so much <laughs> trepidation, and I mean mild spoiler alert. I've never heard so much trepidation to do a plot summary for something that we all actually really liked. <laughs> it's a lot. I want to remind everyone that I might be the only person here that only watched this once. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but. Okay, uh, and this is going to be very, very high level for, for a lot of reasons, but, but Take, so basically, uh, strip it down a bit, you know, like strip yeah, it down, yeah. make this like uh, pretend you are Stephen Amell doing a recap of Arrows season one through four, yeah. and you have like a minute and a half to get through it or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can do that. So Yun Arikawa and Haburo Kado or Kato are two just employees at the Otaki factory. They get hired to investigate some power fluctuations happening at a mansion where they find that there's this radio that's picking up and repeating a broadcast. They kind of track the source of this broadcast, um, and that gets them involved with this graduate student named Mei Kamino, who is sort of simultaneously brought in to investigate a a strange alarm going off at this radio monitoring station. And they discover that the the radio broadcast, this old Indian folk song that Yoon and Haburu Haburu here, is connected to this alarm somehow. Um, Mei, with an AI that was created by Yoon, go off and they... Those two, this AI, which she renames Pelops, or um, what's the other, like, there's like another, Pero, Pero, yeah. Yeah. Um, And they go off, and they're investigating, their their piece of the story is that they are looking into something called the Calamity, which is upcoming, which has to do with a lot of quantum physics, particle physics, timeline stuff time not being a straight line um they uh they're they're trying to figure out what this calamity is when it's going to happen where it's going to happen um how to stop it and that all gets done through investigating these things called archetypes which are multi-dimensional particles that we only see in three-dimensional space but they're like 13 or 16 dimensions to them so we can't see you know most of what these things are um and 
it also takes her into this like vast kind of government organization that's researching these things uh create it takes her into this thing called the red dust which is part of the archetypes which is also created by the kaiju that keeps showing up in this show um so we get this like through her we get that the this calamity and the archetypes and the kaiju are all kind of connected um the you know you get like the kaiju are kind of it's, I would say maybe terraforming the earth to an extent, you know, the, there's Ro, there's Rodans that, uh, appear and yes, Rodans, multiple, 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 multiple. Um, and they like can only exist within this red dust that appears. Um, Godzilla is the, is sort of the singular point. Uh-huh. The, <laughs> but he is, he is what's like the main creation of, of this red dust. Other Kaiju can manipulate it to their needs. Um, meanwhile, Yoon and Haburu, Haburu are trying to figure out kind of more about this, this, um, sort of like the nuts and bolts, right? Like they're battling Rodan to try and save people in the, in the Otaki factory's, uh, robot jet Jaguar. Um, they are trying to help may connect various dots along the way they are trying to find the source of signals that are being emitted um and along this way jet jaguar gets destroyed and rebuilt and destroyed and rebuilt many many times and eventually jet jaguar ends up uh having the ai um that you that you designs kind of getting installed into it and jet jaguar gains some sentience um has an existential crisis about what existence is and what it means to be alive um meanwhile it all sort of culminates in you know godzilla is the calamity or is the source of the calamity um his or or it's it's called the catastrophe i keep calling it calamity well whatever though six and one half a dozen of the other exactly um but Godzilla is the source of the red dust. The red dust is connected to the archetypes. The archetypes are sort of these 16-dimensional particles that travel through space-time in weird ways. Um, they, they send ripple effects backwards. Uh, people are trying to predict the future by manipulating the past. Uh, and, and it all kind of culminates in, like, you have to stop Godzilla in order to save the world. But in order to stop Godzilla, you have to understand these 16 dimensional, uh, archetypes. And in order to do that, you need to, it all gets kind of into this weird loop with itself of in order to do one thing, you need to do the other thing, which depends on that thing, which depends on the first thing over and over. Um, and it all just, comes together in a very insane madcap way kind of um with these sort of everyman characters like yoon and habaru are just guys um yes yoon is smart enough to have designed an ai but like he just is an engineer working for an otaki factory company uh habaru is just like reasonably strong and their Uh, boss is insane their boss is insane and awesome (laughs) um they, they're one of their coworkers is like just a girl, who's like just there, like it's she's like just the like a sarcastic. Yeah, like, she's yeah. she's pretty much uh, uh, what's 
What's uh, Janine from Ghostbusters? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the yeah, so we just kind of find about these like there's this global catastrophe looming, but we're through the eyes of these just sort of normal characters and um, trying to save the world. Yeah, and 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 just to and, to and like I said, along the way, along the way, Yoon, Yoon and Habaru are more the action sort of set pieces. They fight Rodan, they fight Angerus, they fight Kumonga um, with Jet Jaguar. Uh, Jet Jaguar ends up fighting Godzilla also, so that, that's like our main action set piece people. And then, like, our main kind of story, philosophy, theology, uh, uh, science, physics stuff all comes from May. Yeah. Um, And they they cross-pollinate by, you know, Yoon is helping May and May is helping Yoon. Um, She's, like, helping him kind of figure out where to go next to sort of stop the next event. And he's helping her to figure out, like, how these dots all connect. Yeah, and um, uh, how did I do? Uh, pretty good. The only thing I would add is just I more of a maybe more of a thematic thing. But you you alluded to all these dimensions and stuff, but uh, and and time loops and and stuff. But yeah, the the whole idea that the the, the this transtemporal idea that you know all time and all events do not happen linearly like we live through them they ever all time exists at once um it's like really heady stuff that you know there's quite a bit of actual you know scientific theories behind that kind of thing but um but yeah they're they're trying to decode these messages left by uh this scientist ashihara and his research and you know trying to find this code um and you know whether or not he sent it from the future, whether he sent it from the future, which was actually the past. This is where you know you start to sound like a maniac talking about it. But <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think anyone that's really into sci-fi and like watches as much sci-fi genre stuff as the four of us have probably heard these concepts before. You know, there's movies like Primer, and there's um, I mean even stuff like what was that? crappy Stephen King uh, show. Oh, Castle Rock. You know, there's so much stuff that have played with these ideas. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I guess, you know, Toenjo's job was to make sure that the science kind of sort of checked out. Um, if, if, you were, if you know kind of how Ishiro Honda researched science for his movies back in the day, uh, that's basically what Toenjo was, only he was also allowed to write it. And so that's why it gets, like, really dense at times. Um, so that's Godzilla's singular point. I mean, uh, we're just scra- – there's a lot to unpack here. Um, so I guess we can kind of just – do you guys want to just start with, you know, I guess uh, first impressions? I mean, um, Matt, Kevin, and I watched it all weekly um, before it hit Netflix – so, uh, Tom, I, I think we'll, we'll start with your experience. Cause it's probably a little bit different because you happened, you, you binged it over the course of like three days or whatever. Yeah. Four or five days, something like that. Um, yeah. And, oh man, I, this is a, sh- this is for sure a show where I, I could see 
the benefits of both, right? Um, after watching it, I kind of, you know, there's a part of me that like, oh yeah, it would have been cool to watch this because there's so much to unpack in each episode and there's, there's so much what's going on, right? Um, that I feel like you could get a group of, you know, five to ten people or whatever in a Facebook message thread and constantly be bouncing ideas off of each other, right? And really drinking it in, kind of like a like a Twin Peaks, yeah. right? I mean, there's 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 so much uh, uh, obtuse. I don't know, I say obtuse, but like yeah, there's there's so much stuff going on that it you know you, you can really spend a lot of time bouncing theories off each other. Um, but the flip side, there's quite a, there's, there's a few episodes where either very little happens. And so you're kind of like, Oh, I just want to watch the next one so that something happens. Um, and then there's also quite a few where there's like major cliffhangers right at the end. And you're like, Oh, I have to know what happens next. (laughs) Um, I will tell you watching weekly, the cliffhangers were like so stressful. (laughs) (laughs) um there's also the risk that you you kind of latch on to particular plot elements and then you kind of build them up in your head and that's something that i've I've noticed some people like they get to the end and like oh but but what about this thing why didn't that want it being important because it was never going to be important that that's like not even exclusive to this that's like every show now like yeah. I remember the finale of WandaVision. Everyone's like, "What? Where's Mephisto? You guys said we were going to get Mephisto," and everyone was like, "We didn't say that." <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the fan yeah, so. theory culture that's driven that driven by you know clickbait and and stuff like that has really like kind of ruined how people watch weekly TV shows. So I I don't know. I, I kind of liked the for me. I kind of liked I, I liked the binge way because. When an episode got really kind of heady and 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 dense, I was like, "All right, that's a good one to to end." And you know, I'll I'll sit and ruminate on that one for you know a few hours or a day or whatever, and then I'll pick it back up. Um, but yeah, I I had a hell of a fun time with it, like more than I have uh, in terms of characters than any Godzilla thing in so so long. <laughs> um, Probably about twenty years, right? That that <laughs> yeah. was GMK. Yeah, G- um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I guess I'll extend it and say nineteen years because I do really like the characters of Godzilla X Mechagodzilla a lot. That's still um, a long time. <laughs> yes, um, but like Yoon is is such a like he is a great just everyman character, just this kind of guy who just works for a company who's kind of a you know can't catch kind of any of his own success despite his skills um habaru is awesome just this lovable kind of oaf type of thing i like that his his nickname is like is it barbell Barbe- or something? barbell yeah because he's a yeah he's like a bodybuilder yeah yeah um may is is an awesome awesome character and i i, I just like you know being in a in a world of characters in a godzilla thing um where you just like them and get to spend some time with them and that's that's really cool and that's um i don't know i think that's maybe this show's like biggest success is that the the characters are so 
engrossing um, and enjoyable to be around. And um, you get to spend a lot of time with them, right? It's 13 episodes uh, that are 25 minutes apiece. So this is the longest time we've ever spent with a single cast of characters in a Godzilla thing. And uh, by making the characters so good, it, it really sings. And so that was my, my first impression was it's definitely dense. It's definitely heady. Uh, there were times when I felt lost and overwhelmed, but the characters really pulled me through. And um, I genuinely did not care how little Godzilla was in it. <laughs> did you watch uh, dubbed or subtitled? I watched it dubbed with subtitles. Um, that's something I do a lot because I t like I tend to watch things when other people are around if I have to or when other people are asleep. I do um, that too. I, I turn the subtitles on or the closed captions just because it's like there's always something happening. <laughs> it's like and I'll know. say for the most part it seemed like and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong but it seemed like the dub was a much better and closer and easier to follow translation than the the Netflix subtitles uh, the Netflix subtitles uh, I think were trying to simplify things quite a bit just to get the the broad ideas across uh, more uh, quickly digestibly like so that you can read a subtitle but then there's also that problem of well then some nuance doesn't come through with it so yeah they're also I thought they were also uh, not very well structured for the way English works <laughs> it was it wasn't like they were really bad like like you know some of the fan subs I've seen and things over the years but like they just they just felt a little awkward like like whoever was doing the translations was struggling so hard to simplify the concepts that they forgot to like think about how people talk. <laughs> there there were there were two fan sub groups and then like halfway through the show Netflix updated to where Netflix Japan would have the the English subtitles so the 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 subtitles we were watching weekly would w eventually became the Netflix ones but for the first 6 episodes or so there were two fan subgroups one was pretty good and then the other one was terrible the the terrible one like anytime there there were those long scenes of like the text message dialogue they didn't they subtitle just stopped. yeah the, it's they like the stopped. guy it's like the <laughs> it's like the guy just gave up it was like fuck it I'll, <laughs> you know i i can't what? do i can't do this what happened there like... was they just took the uh the netflix captions and they uh ran those through google translate and because that's a bunch of text messages that text is already on screen so there aren't Japanese subtitles for those, right? <laughs> uh, ha having watched, you know, we watched the weekly subtitled uh, in Japanese, and I watched, I rewatched it with the dub. I would say that for most people, like unless for some reason you're a purist and you have to watch it with subtitles, 
I think this show is much easier to digest and understand, at least if you watch it the first time with the, with the dub version. Yeah. Because there's so much stuff being said that, like, I, it's going to be much yeah. easier. And, and also, because it's so talky, and for two reasons, because of the amount of dialogue and how dense and heady the dialogue can get, your brain is is going to be able to process and retain a lot of that information easier when it's hearing it and not reading it. So yeah, first time views definitely go for the dub. Um, it's also a good dub, by the way. Yeah, they got a lot of that, good. That should be pointed. Out. Got a you lot know, of good voice. Like Johnny Young Bosch is is uh, Yoon. Um, uh, but okay, Matt. Um, first impressions. I'll pick on you next. I, I liked it. Um, I mean, I I don't know that I that I loved it quite as much, and we'll we'll talk about why when we start diving a little bit deeper but it, it's a fun show um it does break up the action with the actual storytelling and i think that's going to drive some some of the uh we're Godzilla fans kind of crazy because godzilla is, is really important at the end but you get he's he's kind of sprinkled in throughout the, the series which tom kind of alluded to and i think that's going to be something that that fans will complain about but I actually like that because it allows you to focus on the characters and you, you try to care about the actual people. And I think there's some really cool stuff that happens with like Angerus. And, and can we talk about how awesome in the series Jet Jaguar is? Like they reinvented the character and I think they approved upon him in about every way possible. And Jet Jaguar is a character unto itself. Um, and I, I loved how they, how it culminates at the very end of, of the series in a way that's that's pretty. Um, pretty unexpected and so like the the, the show's fun um it makes you think I, I i do think you need time to process like I, if if i'm tom there would have been times that i would have had to have like taken a step back and like just not watch the next episode like you said because it is so dense and because there are some concepts that you just sort of have to think about for a second uh one of my one of the i think best scenes in the in the actual show is when they take um a piece of jello and they bend it, and then they stick a like a toothpick through it to kind of show you how, hey, t- our time is a jello, and if you bend it, you can have this thing go through, and actually, like it can happen multiple times and, and outside our dimension, and it's a really interesting way to visually demonstrate what they were trying to explain. They do that so a few times. Does, my, yeah, and they, I was the same. There's the part with one. BB in the Rubik's cube. That's my favorite one. To to yeah. if you if you get lost on like the sixteen dimensional stuff. They have a great moment where uh, BB, is, who's one of the characters, holds a Rubik's Cube up to a light and it shines a square shadow on a wall. And he's like, if all we were looking at for a Rubik's Cube was the shadow to try and figure out its shape, we might think it was square. But if I hold it like this, then you have no idea what shape it is. And if I hold it like this, it becomes even more complicated. And he's like... It, an archetype in our three-dimensional space might just be a shadow of what it actually is. And I was like, oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I think some of the the gripes that I might have are probably geared towards... There, there's a couple characters that, like, they're essentially pointless, in my opinion. Um, like, BB's daughter. Like, she exists to drive May to Shiva. Like, that's her entire reason to, to exist, basically. We mentioned Goth Girl, like, she's there um just, just s- some stuff like that i think some of the other gripes are like you know manda's in this series but you could have cut everything out with that monster and i think that monster exists basically for the point of selling toys 
But what I will say is, like, the animation's actually really good. Like, I was very skeptical. I'm not a huge fan of 3D animation. But Studio Orange honestly knocked it out of the park. Um, the designs are fun. The monsters move with kind of this grace that I, you know, you don't see in the Polygon Godzilla series. And I really like the 2D animation as well. So, like, seeing those things it was, a, was a pleasant surprise. And I really just enjoyed the action sequences that we ended up getting as well. Okay. Um, hey, how did we get this far without saying that this, the opening theme is balling out of oh control? God, I, oh, oh, yeah. No, the amazing. opening theme. What's the name of the song? I don't know. It's by Bish. Yeah. yeah. Bish. Yeah. Um, is it In Case? Yeah, In Case, in case. is the opening. That it's, it's, is a banger. <laughs> it's funny because I had just uh, just kind of learned about Bish uh like a week before they were announced as the uh, as the the composers for this for this opening um because they they had a, a movie from like 10 years ago um uh idol is dead that showed up on on amazon prime so watch that and uh they are kind of a very punk idol group uh yeah there's a live performance of them doing this song on youtube that's pretty sweet too you uh, it's it's not quite there with a cruel angel's thesis as far as anime openings go but it's pretty damn close well there's a lot going on in this opening also like this is one of those openings that you could freeze frame at different points and be like okay so so and so is standing in such and such relation to to so and so else and what is the symbolic you know meaning of of this in terms of how they play off each other in the show and stuff like that so i'd I'd really like to see one of those youtube videos that kind of like breaks it down like uh, what what they were going for with every you know split second take in that uh, opening. <laughs> um, well, Kevin, you're the anime uh, the 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 most seasoned anime veteran here. How did this uh, you know general you know your general takeaways uh, after you watched it? You know how did this sit with you? I I liked it quite a bit. Um, again, as uh, as a Godzilla fan, I think I, I was more predisposed. If I were just a regular anime fan, I might be a little bit more lukewarm to it. Uh, it's I, I really like the writing and the, the characters. Um, the animation itself was, you know, kind of middle of the road. But, uh, you know, I've, I've seen worse. I've seen worse with Godzilla. I've seen worse with Godzilla in this decade. So, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, I was, I was pretty pleased with the overall result. Um, uh, you know, and this was definitely one that as I've done with everything, I kind of familiarize myself with, you know, the, the work of the auteurs involved. Uh, and this was, this was a fun one to knowing what I did about Enjo kind of anticipating reactions and then seeing those reactions unfold in real time. <laughs> when the show I'm finally. sure you weren't disappointed. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I, I really enjoyed this, this show. Um, confusing at times. Sure. But never so much that I felt super off track from it. Um, I don't watch enough anime to be able to make a sound judgment on how I think the animation is, but um, I, I did like how the 3D was incorporated with the 2D, especially since the kaiju are supposed to be like 
from a, like another dimensional space. So to have them be in 3D and the humans in 2D, I think kind of um, added a little bit to that atmosphere. Um, I thought the reinventions of the monsters were, for the most part, all pretty pretty cool. Um, and uh, it, like Tom, I, I really didn't have a problem with how little Godzilla was in it. Um, it if because we said when we talked about Godzilla versus Kong, that movie is what people who love King of the Monsters say King of the Monsters is. This to me felt like the people that do excluding Kevin because he's in the room. Um, people that do love the the Polygon uh, trilogy of films, what they say that is. It's a very fresh, br- brand new approach. It's very heady sci-fi, but it's also entertaining, and it has those really fun, quirky characters, and, um, you know, the kaiju action doesn't disappoint, but the characters really do kind of get you through it. Um and uh, well, the music yeah, is great. I mean, we, unlike the uh, unlike the Polygon movies, it brings up heady concepts and then actually explores them. <laughs> They're not yeah yeah like I don't know it, it just it seems like everything that's set up has some sort of payoff with the, the exception of like a few threads that they leave hanging. You know, oh, if we get a season two, you know, here here's some things that we can thread through here, but. Um, uh, and I, I loved what, what Matt was saying about how to help you with the, the concept of some of these sci-fi theories and all this stuff. The, the, they will do like visual demonstrations, like the thing with the Jello, the thing with the Rubik's Cube. Um, but it really gave me stuff that I, I've really felt missing from the Godzilla series to kind of mimic what Tom said for a very long time. I mean... You know, the characters aren't these super dry, you know, authoritative types. Um, the, 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 the monsters are doing things that we haven't seen them do before. Um, and, you know, it's really going super hard into science fiction. Um, which, you know, the Godzilla series in general kind of has gone in and out of more hard sci-fi concepts but um uh but yeah i mean i i thought it was great i mean if you are something if you are someone that you know just wants to see monsters fight this might not be your show but um but i don't know to me it felt like someone at toho like like bugged my phone or something and made a checklist of like all the things that I've felt the last, you know, since 2014, really, like the last, this whole new era of Godzilla has kind of been missing and delivered it. Um, I'm not, I'm not here to say the show is absolutely 100% perfect, but it was like, it scratched so many itches. It checked off so many boxes of stuff where, that I wanted out of Godzilla that I haven't seen in a long time that I, I couldn't help but be super into it um i do think the binge approach kind of works best for this just because there's so much information flying at you that you know by week 13 you know you're not going to remember certain things that are brought up earlier in the series you know um 
So usually I am more of a week to week viewer. Like I do prefer what like Amazon and Disney Plus doing their shows weekly, but for something like this, I think the binge format worked well. Um uh so we all liked it. Hooray. Um so as as uh, I feel like I was I was baited earlier. I, I have to <laughs> have to say something. Um I actually Uh-oh. I'm going to blow your minds. Uh-oh. I actually okay. like Singular point more than the Polygon movies. Oh, thank God. Okay, you were oh. you, you were you were I worrying you were going me. To go the other way. Yeah, I was getting scared. <laughs> uh, you know they they are they are different. Uh, Polygon movies are much more on the philosophy end than the sci-fi, even though they they both kind of dabble in both. And uh, this uh, has a lot more humor. There's the that's there's, there's what was really that. missing, I yeah. think, from the that trilogy. Every in the trilogy, everything is so dry and mm. so like straight faced and angsty and serious. And there was like, even though the, it's this is a very apocalyptic show, the humor really does work. That's what's been missing from Godzilla in general. I mean, aside from I would say Godzilla versus Kong. I know. King of the Monsters had a lot of like poop and butt and sex <laughs> jokes, but like <laughs> like a sense a sense of fun and levity about the whole thing, you know. Like everything's been so serious, you know. Oh, it's gonna fate of the the fate of the world hangs in the balance, and this is like the fate of the world hangs in the balance. Like <laughs> this is the most apocalyptic Godzilla story we've had since 2014, and it is also the one with the most levity. And I think that it it's able to balance that in a way that makes sense. And like, yeah, I mean, yeah, like Shin Godzilla has some humor. Um, you know, even Godzilla 2014 has a little bit here and there, but it's like. I don't know. It, it it it's it's never it it's never as consistent as it is here. I don't think. Yeah, it's 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 in 2014. This is the stakes aren't just like oh, humanity might be wiped out. It's the laws of physics could break and the <laughs> universe will cease to be. <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So, uh, I guess let's take a moment, um, do you guys want to get into, uh, do you guys want to talk more about the monsters, or do you want to talk about, you, do you want to get some of our negatives out of the way? It doesn't matter to me. Um, yeah, I was, I'll, I'll, the, the only thing that was, that's been rolling around in my head right now is just how frigging awesome Jet Jaguar is. Um... It okay. Was, well, it, was well, pointed, let, let, it was pointed out at one point. I mean, we we could leave the other monsters yeah, yeah. or whatever, but like it was it was pointed out at one point. Uh, spoiler alert: Be prepared for Jet Jaguar to have the uh, the the best character arc of any character in any Godzilla movie ever. Um, and it's up there. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, yeah. Let, let let's start with Jet <laughs> Jaguar. I mean, I guess we can be loose here and consider him a monster, right? Um, Jet Jag, this is the biggest improvement over a classic character, maybe ever. In Godzilla history, I, Yeah, I mean, in, sure. co- in the genre, maybe, I mean, Gamera maybe still might take the prize there, but 
this has to be a very close second because they basically took what was a joke character. The new take on him is brilliant in that he's like a homemade mech suit, kind of like the thing Ripley has at the end of Aliens. And uh, eventually they install the AI that Yoon creates into Jet Jaguar. And he... He becomes a baby. Yeah, and then he turns into a baby and very quickly is horrified by what living and exist like what existence is existing (laughs) (laughs) yes and 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 he has uh, this existential crisis and eventually sacrifices himself so he starts as this little ai who's basically the brain that's put into this body and discovers the meaning of life essentially and i'm saying this about jet jaguar i'm not like (laughs) it's really well done too because like they also it's not like they just make him like a baby and make him like a bumbling you know buffoon it's 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 more that he's i mean he, he certainly starts off as like as like and it, it only lasts for a couple of minutes or whatever that it's like, it's like a straight up like baby baby. Um, but like, because it's an AI and because it's a computer and a robot, it very quickly learns, you know, advanced combat and things like that. Right. But then like when it comes to more esoteric, uh, ideas, like what is fun, and how do you play and things like that? Yeah. Like, there's that great moment where the the butterfly lands on uh, lands on his finger, and and he's like, "What what is this? What's happening?" And Yoon is like, "It just wants to play." And then the butterfly like flies away, and Jet Jaguar is like, "I'm sad because I didn't understand the rules of play, and it ran away." There's like, also an that, awesome part that's where a great. That's just a great character building moment of like telling you that like you're 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 seeing that this thing like can uh, perform all these like really complex things, but then it also just is a very naive like like a baby like it's 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 really awesome. There's also that part I think it's where they first get to the site where there's the dead Manda that all the little like Kumangas came out of and. Uh, Jet Jaguar is just playing like rock paper scissors or whatever with a bunch of kids, <laughs> and they're like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're like, would you quit screwing around? <laughs> we got work to do." That's a great part too. And it, Jet Jaguar always wins at that game because he can because he's this advanced AI robot. He could predict everyone's what everyone's gonna do, um, based on their like slight twinges of muscle language. It's funny when they that when they talked about doing stuff with Jet Jaguar, the guy at Toho Animation, the producer Yoshizawa, the first thing he said, the first thing he thought was like, "Oh no, like <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna go off the rails." But he ended up, but they they were just like, "Look, trust us, like we know what we're doing," and that was like, I don't. It, it's one of those takes on a character that's so like makes so much sense that it's almost amazing that no one thought to do that until now. I love how much actually from Godzilla vs. Megalon is still incorporated, though. Like, the 
whole idea that, oh, he reprogrammed himself to get bigger was something that is one of the stupidest things in all of the Godzilla movies. And that's saying something. But that still happens. <laughs> but but this time it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, his inventor, Goro, the crazy old man, is great. I mean... Jet Jaguar, like Godzilla versus Megalon, Jet Jaguar. This is a, this is a Jet Jaguar series. Like, and he he is, he's he's definitely the show stealer. Um, it's the Jet Jaguar series everyone has always wanted. Right? <laughs> it's the Jet Jaguar series we didn't know we wanted. <laughs> that's that's one hey. of those things that Jet Jaguar has been sort of showing up more and more. Uh, in like the past decade, and I don't know if that was because he's a favorite of Anno and Shin Godzilla was so influential or, or what, but uh, I was I, I was still kind of, like, if you had told me before when the show was announced, like, oh, there's going to be a new Godzilla anime, also it's Jet Jaguar themed, I would have been doubly skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I guess we'll, we'll run down... Um some of the other monsters here. Rodan gets a, a vastly new interpretation, but more along, a little similar to uh, what they did with Gauss in the, the Gamera trilogy, in that he's, you know, the first to show up and disrupt things, and there's just swarms of them everywhere. Um, uh, this version is based on Quetzalcoatlus, um, you know, prehistoric birds and um seabirds like the albatross um how did we feel about uh rodan in this yeah it's fine it's, like the concept yeah. works really well like the the story they told utilizes rodan in a really nice way and rodan goes through like evolution stages where it, it starts like different variations different color palettes uh, one of them has like Godzilla spikes. And there's another the one that had that's more brown and has like the two horns. Like yeah, so yeah, more like the one we know. It. It's not like my favorite version of Rodan, but they they used the design in a way that served the story well, and I think that's probably more important than what I thought Rodan should look like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that's the 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 image that it's funny because the image that keeps circulating of like Rodan and everyone's like that's not Rodan. <laughs> that, that's that's only in one episode, <laughs> right? For the, for the most part, well, what he actually looks like is that like he's got a brown color palette. It's really just the what whether or not you're willing to accept Rodan really kind of being turned into the Gauss swarm, right? Because that's that's kind of what it becomes. It's there's thousands of them. They appear everywhere, um, and they're like easily killed so like the the show uses the smaller scaled monsters really well though because rodan has some really fun moments where he's where it's fighting with the cast members and like chases them on buses and they're trying to figure out a way to, to escape and it's got people pinned in the building and so it does stuff like that that again utilizes both the, the monsters being smaller or like the the first episode has that awesome moment where like it lands on the water tower thing and it's like it's very clear, like almost like a new Rodan or something, because it doesn't understand that its weight's going to make that thing fall. It forgets to fly, and then it crashes on the ground. Just stuff like that was pretty neat. Yeah, that was really good. 
and uh, you know they can escalate things with you know you start with one small monster then several small monsters then a medium monster and then you work your way up to godzilla which uh i think is one of the one of the pain points that a lot of people seem to have with the series is that they didn't like how all of the classic monsters seem so much smaller now but you know i I, how many times have we seen them be a billion stories tall like i mean well i i don't know i almost think we should, because I, I think we should. We can just kind of go down this list of monsters and talk about our favorite moments with them, whether it worked or not. And then I do think we'll end with Godzilla, and I think we should probably table the fan outrage for when we get through <laughs> all of them, because sure. because I it's it's one of those things that I think we'd all like to ignore, but I do think that there is something to say about how it relates to not only this series, but also the Godzilla series moving forward, and what what people are expecting, and what and, and, and things like that. Um, so, so, yeah, that, we're gonna put a pin in that just for a few minutes, um, so, uh, my, after Godzilla, my second favorite monster, uh, Angurus, who, or, or, who, as I, uh, still insist on calling him Angulus, um, because I, I don't know, I'm a dumb hipster or whatever, um, uh, was apparently the easiest to redesign, um, he is very spiky. Um, some of his trademark uh, design traits, like his nose horn and the curved jawline, those are still there. Um, they actually, I don't know if you, did you guys notice that he actually has the kind of split carapace? Like, kind of... Yeah, it's pretty like, sweet. Yeah, yeah like, a, like by his butt above his tail that, um, you know, we famously saw in all those Godzilla raids again stills. Um but uh, I think he had some of the coolest action sequences, um, and uh, I, I really liked the design. Um, I loved. I, I really liked him in this. Um, how did you guys feel, Agreed. Matt? You can go last because I know you have a moment here to, to share with us. Um, <laughs> okay, Kevin Angerus says great. Angerus was, I think, my favorite kaiju in the whole thing. Um, like it it was great action sequences a really cool concept uh behind you know sort of giving him like a new ability i guess right um and um yeah i think you know it was a great kind of use of him too especially because angerus is constantly like he shows up and you know gets his ass kicked and leaves basically right like um and and to kind of do that and not do it at the same time, um, I thought it was—I thought it worked really well. I liked it a lot. All right, Matt, this is your this is your moment. Well, you know, honestly, I've I've been thinking about this uh, since we first kind of. So we we do have our giant, you know, Facebook chat, and we were talking amongst ourselves about the stuff we liked and didn't liked, and initially, kind of had this beef with Angus. Like, I, I it felt almost like a filler arc in anime where like, it's not super important to the story. I know that it's the first time we see, you know, the, the talk about the monsters being uh, transcending time. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, this is one of the better moments in the show. It gives you some of the central action pieces. You get to see the, 
the formation of the weapon because ultimately once Angus is defeated, that's where they get the the spear that Jet Jaguar uses for the rest of the show. Um, I also think it's a really great use of both Jet Jaguar and Angus and incorporating like different. There's like a a huge battle that involves like um, not only just military soldiers but like civilians trying to take down the monster. Initially, they want to put him in a cage, and then they realize the cage is too small because he's constantly been growing. Um, it, it's a it's a really fun moment for the show, and so I've actually had a change of heart and have decided like you were I was wrong. probably wrong initially. <laughs> yeah, I was wrong. Well, it's, it's also you know. where. Um, Jet Jaguar goes from being piloted by a human to being controlled by an AI. Yeah, it, it's and that fight is is really fun. It's well staged. Uh, there's moments that like they defeat Angerus initially, and then there's like this reporter standing in front of him, and it like revives essentially, kind of out of nowhere, and it's a really just nifty little fun thing. So like it's 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 a moment that the show desperately needs because it's it's put in there right like at the first third of the, sh- the series where you're starting to get a lot of the the really high level techno babbled stuff and you need some levity there you need something to kind of break that up and i think they stage it really well um yeah i know um takahashi has actually said <laughs> uh from what i understand um said that he was not a fan of the polygon films and so he really wanted to deliver on the entertainment factor, and that's why you get stuff like the ro- the the Anguirus fight, um, because you know it, it's all it, it's all about keeping people you know on board, and it it I, I and I mean I'm never gonna turn down more Anguirus. Um, uh, now, uh, Matt, your your concern about, you know, filler, I think, is a little more justified with the next monster we're going to talk about, which is Kumanga. Um, uh, that one we really only get, like, what, the one episode. Um, in this, the Kumangas are... A s- I mean, they're still spiders. They have webs and lay spider-like eggs, but uh, they seem to be kind of also like parasite parasitic um and from the ocean and uh, i think the implication is that they burst out of manda um there's actually variations of kumangas here um kumanga is the regular spider kumanga and then uh henenga is the ones with the sickle uh legs um zenbunga is the name of the one that can uh, uh, or no? Hanenga is the one with uh, that can fly. Kame- yeah, Hane is, is yeah. wing. Kamanga, not Kumanga. Kamanga is the one with the sickle, and the, and then Zenbunga is the one that can fly and has the sickle. Yeah, Zenbu is like <laughs> everything. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why they. I don't know why they assigned names to each one. Is that a toy thing? Do they sell more toys if they? Do that? I don't know. They haven't made toys of any of these guys. Oh, they're thinking which, about uh, they're the, the future merch oppor- opportunities. Yeah. In twenty yeah. years, we'll get the well, X like, plus I, giant Zenbunga with the light up eyes or something. I, I I was just thinking back to what Matt said about like how how they made Manda for for figures and like, but they haven't made Rodan yet or or, or Saranga. Like it's kind of like 
seems like you're putting the cart no, you tell the me, horse on those. You tell me why they included Manda, because I can't think of an actual reason. Shut up! <laughs> like, anyway, we're, we're not talking about Manda yet. Pay attention. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I know, I'm just saying. Man. So, um, Kumanga and uh, its variants. Um, this is another one I saw quite a lot of fan... I don't know, a disappointment that it wasn't Outrage. Megalon? Outrage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so they, they, the face is very clearly inspired by Megalon. It's got, like, the weird mouth opening, and then the sickle arms are definitely just Megalon arms. But, like, I don't know, it's, it's... The it's, rest of the it is a fine. spider. This is, this yeah, is definitely fine. one of those things where, you know, remember when, when Kevin said... You run the risk of latching on to a theory oh, that yeah. that you think is a thing. Oh, like yeah. fans did that with with this and one other monster design. Where Way like, more oh, than yeah. It, it, this is this is Kumanga or this is Megalon. We're getting Megalon. That's so cool. And then it was like Kumanga, and everyone was like, "They're disrespect." <laughs> it's it funny Kumanga. that that came after the outrage about them not using names for other monsters that are similar to older monsters. And then when they did, and they were like, "Oh, this one's Kumanga," they're like, "Well, I didn't mean like that." <laughs> if, if they'd called it Megalon, would that have been better? Like, I, I mean, Megalon is not. It begins and ends with me. Is is Megalon a spider? No, I don't. Think does he so. does he uh, spin webs? Like a spider, no. Like, well, it, then you add the you add the fact that like you get a brief hetera esque cameo. Or, well, like, that's another the shape thing. of hetero shows up, and then you know it's like, oh, this is going to be awesome, and and hetera's in it, but then you realize, no, not not really. Well, yeah, I saw people mad about that too, because yeah, wh- so they they can kind of like like regenerate themselves, and like I guess like if you cut one in half this blue goo comes out and they can kind of like fuse themselves back together. And there's a part that was in the trailer of like the goo. It kind of like takes the shape of hetera, um, which I, I, I'm was definitely in, an intentional callback to hetera, but people were like, you mean hetera's not in this? Some people were like, Oh, it's a dogera hetera hybrid. And it's like, no, it's just Kumanga blood. It's you just know. an Easter egg. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's like remember when, remember when, remember when Easter eggs just existed and they were just no, like, <laughs> no, they remember King of the Monsters using Oxygen Destroyer, and that's what they want again. Well, yeah, they <laughs> want <laughs> references, but like only delivered in yeah. like a way but, that is moronic. <laughs> <laughs> but to get to get back to. Kumanga in general, I, I kind of agree. This this one was a little bit fillery for me. Um, it was cool. It was a good action it, it had, sequence. It had, it had some cool moments. I, I'm not sure it, it in terms of the plot added a yeah. ton, right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, you get to see Jet Jaguar kind of, slicing stuff with an angurus horn, and uh, there's the part where uh, uh, Haburu like catches a Kumanga leg. Just because he's that cool and that strong, <laughs> Kevin, I'd say you were like saying from a narrative perspective, like it's a fight that they don't win. They they manage to just kind of like barely scrape by and get away. And even though they should have been able to kill the monsters, the monsters just wouldn't die. And that kind of might up the tension and the stakes in terms of the urgency of like this isn't something that's just going to be able to be resolved through conventional means. Um, 
you know, from like a thematic standpoint, that's kind of how I, I read that fight. Like, could you have excised it? Yes. But then you would have had no action sequences for two episodes and people would get mad. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, that, that was probably, it was probably the best call. I mean, I don't mind it. You know, it's not like, oh, I hate this because it's just action for the sake of action. I realize TV and movies are very different. And sometimes in a TV series, when you're doing more long form stuff, you do kind of have to give it a little adrenaline at times. Um, but we're all okay with this version of, of Kumanga, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, yeah, people bring way too much baggage into this stuff. I mean, that that's we're going to get into that in a, a minute here. Um, okay, so Manda, who Matt is confused by the existence of, um, this is a... Well, just v- let, me, let, me, let me go first real fast. Yeah, please elaborate on that. I... I there's not a scene with with Manda that like you couldn't cut out, and and there's not enough like it's got one very short fight with Godzilla that lasts what ten seconds. There's a sequence where like it's swimming you know up the bay or the river or whatever. Like it just it doesn't add anything to the series. It shows up. Manda's the harbinger of the red tide. That is true. Yes. Manda does spread the red tide, yeah. but and the red tide is where Rodan comes from. Yes, and it, it, they allude that like Rodan yeah. kind of evolved out of that, in a way, I believe. Manda's yeah. stupid. I mean, Man- Manda takes up such a small amount of screen time in here that... that why bother, exactly? That's my point. <laughs> I think it shows a, a diversity of the, the types of creatures that are coming out, and then they make a big deal about, like, oh, we were able to use the radio waves to screw with Rodan so that we can kind of manage that. But now there's this other thing that's different. They can't use the radio waves on it. So we have to be adaptable. Yeah. That's kind of a variation on what I was going to say, Kevin, I was going to say Amanda just seems more like a piece of world building to me. Like you, you don't really get Amanda sequence. Amanda's always accompanying something else that's happening or Amanda is, you know, Amanda is, you know, being chased the godzilla is chasing them or you know oh this is where the kumangas came from or, or something like that so I, I, manda is just so inconsequential that like i can't see it as a waste of time because it's there's no time devoted <laughs> to it really <laughs> meh more like meh duh it's dumb i mean what i mean what it's a minor it's a minor gripe right all i'm saying is i, I don't see the point and including the monster that serves very you know well who, for you know who, to be like... Uh, you know, I mean, if you're Shiro Honda and Tomiyuki Tanaka is like, look, just put a goddamn walrus in this. <laughs> you're being, yeah, you're being the Honda here. Like, what, why? It doesn't need it. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's very important because Manda was crucial in Destroy All Monsters. And, uh, yeah, man, this is basically the same role that Manda has always had is like a little thing that maybe adds to the world building or the background. Like it's like, yeah, destroy all monsters, Atragon, uh Manda is some bushy. Final War is like Manda is not a character that exists beyond this is just a little another thing that is in this universe. Well that's fine. I just like eh. it's it, again, minor gripe. 
not not gonna miss the forest for the trees with Manda sucking in this, but like it's it's there, it exists, and that's all I can say about it. Um the original they want he uh Yamamori wanted to make Manda more bug like. Um and and take more from like centipedes and how a centipede might move in the water. I mean I don't if there's a centipede that can swim. <laughs> um but, That's terrifying. Uh, and, and some of that is kind of still there in the little spindly arms at, at the front, but uh, they eventually went with the more of the Eastern Dragon feel. Um, I don't. Did you guys see the concept art for the the monster Tiamat? Yeah. That that yeah. Uh, was made for King of the Monsters or one of the King of the Monsters like tie-ins or whatever. It looks exactly like this. Almost, it's like. I don't know if we should be suspicious, but uh, all right. Matt is not a fan of Manda. Tom, you, Tom you've been lines. alarmingly quiet about Manda. It's just fine. Like it's it's like oh. you said. It's just a piece of <laughs> it's just a piece of world building. It's just a thing that's there. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't like take anything away from anything, and so all it does is just add that little piece of like like Kevin said. Um, it's just a, another like variant or uh, element or whatever of what these kaiju can appear looking like because of the red dust slash red tide. Huh. Uh, Kim just Listen, texted me from the other room. Two Manda fans that <laughs> exist in the universe. All right. Kim just texted me from the other room saying there is a centipede that can swim. It was discovered last year. Well, thank you. I'm going to to sleep well tonight because of that little factoid. <laughs> yeah, that's horrifying. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, next we got probably the Titanosaurus. Se- <laughs> next, we probably got the second biggest of our monster cast, Gabara. Oh no! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold yeah, on. yeah. Don't have a rage fit, okay? What disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> but we have Salunga, the uh, the underground monster that can control red dust. Um, is it Salunga or Sarunga? Or is it Sharanga, which this... is like the Vishnu god thing? Uh, this is Ke- Kevin what, something that gets complicated. Because if you <laughs> go to the Singular Point website and look up the monster's profile, it says Sarunga. If you watch the show, they say Sharanga. These are two different pronunciations. Yeah. And then uh, the L must be, you know, the L's are, are often translated from R's in, yeah. I mean, you know, with Japanese. You know. So, so uh, I'm just going to say Solunga because it's easiest for me. But you guys can yeah. pick one. Yeah, so, <laughs> so the, something different. The, the Indian bow thing is where the uh, Sharanga comes from, whereas uh, Saru is monkey in Japanese. So uh, oh, that kind I'm of plays into the. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> say funny, you should say that. Um. So yes, I'm sorry, people. This monster was actually never intended to be Gabra. It was always supposed to be a, an original kaiju. Originally, it was an ape kind of a baboon monster essentially which you do see in the face um uh you know the mouth the snout 
if you ever see like a mandrel, um, you know, it, it, that, that's what it looks like. Um, yeah. And, uh, but the, they, they couldn't really, and, and I don't know. I mean, I know Toho's pretty lock and key with some of this stuff, but, uh, hopefully eventually some early concept art for these monsters comes out. Cause I would like to kind of see some of that. Um, but they, they, they also didn't want it to be too human and they couldn't really get an ape type monster without it feeling too human to them. So then they incorporated, uh, the, a, a horn of a rhino, um, and uh, traits of reptiles, and then if, you know, for good measure, they they did in, admit to mixing in elements of Gabra, which you probably see the most in the color scheme and the skin textures, um, and you know the 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 belly, um, and Baragon, which you see the little kind of mushroom looking back spines, um, but it was never meant to be Gabra. Um, and, and when you really actually look at Gabra and Salonga next to each other, I don't know. I, I tried bringing this up to a friend of ours who was like, it's, it, this is totally just a renamed Gabra, but I don't think they look that similar. I don't know they where the rest of you don't guys don't when are. they're in motion. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, when you watch Salonga, it's very obvious he's an ape kind of monster they, they, there's even a i think the the lady the in charge of shiva the 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 corporation that ashihara founded where all this stuff is going on i think she even refers to him as a monkey at one point yeah yep. she does um so yeah that's it, it certainly you know it comes across in the motion a lot you know like and that's where that's that's kind of the big thing if you look at like Rodan and the way he moves and behaves is is still how Rodan do, does and and same with all the other kaiju the way they move and behave is is even despite some radical redesigns is still them it's still like that character and Salunga does not at all move like Gabra I mean it walks mostly on all fours um in fact it walks on its knuckles yeah yeah Uh, yeah it's like an ape um and then there's a part at the end where he kind of he seems to be uh, generating some kind of electricity but i mean again these are it's like the hetera thing with the kumangas it's like this is just a little like if you recognize it you you recognize it um anyway uh, next up, um, Kevin says he'll be right back, so that's why if people are listening, if he is quiet, it's because he's not here. Um, so next we have... Varan. <laughs> <laughs> we have the man of the hour, um, our friend, your friend, Godzilla, who, um, similar to Shin Godzilla... Um, has three different forms, uh, which, um, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna invoke Matt talking about what he said about Manda. I don't, Manda toys probably don't sell, so I don't think that theory holds much water, (laughs) but... They made one, though. They made one. Bandai was probably like, we've never made one of this thing, just give, give them a pat on the back. Um. No. (laughs) But... 
similar to Shin Godzilla, um, which was motivated by toys, actually. Um, for people that don't know, Anno and Higuchi wanted to do the forms thing, and Toho said no, and then Bandai were like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> if you got three Godzilla forms in here... That's three more merchandising opportunities. And then Toho said, oh, I like the... We do like money. <laughs> um, so, so, yes, I, I do think that uh, th- there may be some commercial motivations uh, at play here with um, <laughs> with the three forms of Godzilla. Uh, three very controversial forms of Godzilla because... Um, the first one, the first, well, uh, I guess there's four forms of Godzilla, there's, yeah. Yeah, there's four, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Bandai was like, toys. We want toys. Uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that first, the first one, the one that everyone thought was, um... Titanosaurus. Titanosaurus yes. is the one that, to, to, to an extent, I think makes, like, the most sense in terms of how they're sort of bringing the character in uh the the introduction some of that stuff yeah. you know the way he jumps out of the water like if you if you had the the ultima form of Godzilla like jumping out of the water over a ship that way um, <laughs> that would be weird <laughs> yeah so that that's the one that kind of makes the most sense and then there's for some reason two more before you get to the Final because toys and... you forgot already is because toys. <laughs> they wanted to make but the three Varan fans angry, especially by... especially the one after the somewhat amphibious one. All right, you know? so so uh, Aquatilus or Aquatilus, I don't know what is. Proper. I think it's Aquatilus. Okay, there we go. Um, so uh, when. Because that's the initial thing that threw everyone for a loop, is everyone assumed from, you know, the trailer and and stuff, oh, Titanosaurus is coming back, and then it's, nope, it's the first form of Godzilla. Um, so, so I do want to kind of take that moment when that reveal occurs... I mean, where, where, I mean, I love, and I will say, I am a huge Titanosaurus fan. I mentioned Angulus being my second favorite kaiju. Um, for Toho monsters, Titanosaurus is, I don't know, he's top five for me. I love Titanosaurus, but I didn't care when I found out, oh, it's actually not Titanosaurus. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, where, where was you, you, where were you guys there? We're all normal, so we didn't care either. <laughs> it's such a different design that even if it were Titanosaurus, it would not be the same the as titan- the Titanosaurus that yeah, we already had. So, and I'll say, if you look at Godzilla Aquatilus, it looks just as much like Titanosaurus as it looks like something that's not Titanosaurus. Yes, I will. I, I will. I will credit. Uh, of of all the people, um, for somehow August Ragoni made the connection as soon as he saw this design. He's like, ah, that's Godzilla, and I was like, that's that's insane. But but he, he and but it, he so. was it, it, but it, when you actually think about what, that though, I, it, it kind of makes sense because he has the Godzilla spines, and then someone like August would be familiar with some of the more out there Godzilla art we've seen. Like there's the. 
um, is it was it Keita Amamiya that did the the drawing of like a more whale type of Godzilla? Yeah, the the Mosasaur yeah. design. And yeah, that's and then and then of course uh, Rago. Yeah, and th- yeah, and then that inspired Rago, which is also very Godzilla like. So I can see how he got there. Um, and then this is where I do have to laugh because I saw a comment. Uh, after the first or second episode, there was a, 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 a frame in the opening of a silhouette that looked like Varan, and this one guy was like, "They gotta. That's Varan. If it's not Varan, I'll be so mad." And I'm sure I'm, I'm assuming that guy just burst into flames or something. But the, so so the next the next form of Godzilla is Godzilla Amphibia, um, which looks kind of like a. a quadrupedal Godzilla with Varan's face, and then his lower body is really strange. He has these big, almost flipper-like hands. Um, this is probably the one that has the least amount of screen time. Um, this is the one, like, so, the the first one, I think, is, like, of the non traditional Godzilla appearing type of forms is the one that makes the most sense. This one, I think, comes next right this is like the oh aqua like i don't even necessarily i mean yeah okay it looks different enough but like you could have tweaked this just a little bit to be like oh aquatillus is on land now you know like um that's that's this looks really close to that so this is like the next one that i think makes the most sense it's the one after this that uh i think you could cut out um, I was like, which which Keizo Marase suit are they going to do next? <laughs> um, so next up, we have Godzilla Terrestris, which I don't know if people were just conditioned at this point to project other monsters onto these because we saw the Varan and Titanosaurus influence in the first two. People kept saying this was like Gorosaurus, and I'm not... I guess oh, maybe yeah. in the color... I'm not really seeing it, other than in, maybe in the color scheme. Um, to me, it actually reminded me way more of the 98 Godzilla. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they took inspiration from that. But, you know, this how this fandom is, you know, if, if, we have to just pretend that doesn't exist, right? You know, and we can never credit, you know, when Japan <laughs> wants to take an element of it, whether it's, you know, the close-up of the eye in Godzilla 2000 or... Or something like, but but this did remind me more of the American version from '98. I don't know. Did you guys feel that way, or am I starting to sound like the Gorosaurus guys here? I I caught two different references to Godzilla the series in this show. So oh know. yeah, yep, I did too. That's I, true. I I think there is uh, some just some mention to to have there. So yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Terrestrius is a. Well, Tom, why do you think this is the one that makes the least amount of sense? Well, because doesn't doesn't Godzilla go into like a cocoon when he's in amphibia? Yeah, and then he comes out as and then he comes out as terrestrial, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he goes into a cocoon again and comes out as Ultima. Why? Why? Why have him? I mean, yes, okay, I get it. Toys, Toys. <laughs> but 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 you know what i mean that is kind of strange i I didn't think of it that way but that you that that's valid that i that's a good point um yeah i don't know (laughs) it's it's kind of like with shin godzilla where they just they need a breather from godzilla without him actually leaving the city and going back to the ocean 
So yeah, how do we stall Godzilla so the rest of the story can happen? I guess it's kind of like Shin Godzilla, or it's exactly like Shin Godzilla, and the fact that they basically steal frames from that movie and put it into the show. There's a lot of Shin Godzilla. Yeah, there's two specifically that there's um, when he comes out as uh, when Amphibia does the thing where he's like he's sucking in the hot air or whatever. Um, there's that part, and then there's a, a, a later part where he his beam, I think this is ult, an Ultima scene, he, he shoots the beam like across the city and it like slices all the buildings in half and stuff. There's which Chiguchi which admitted he stole that from Man of Steel. So I mean, if we're gonna, if, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, you know, <laughs> if we're gonna call out this for that, you know, I mean, Man of Steel is the one that caused that trend. Well, Man of Steel was inspired by Birdie the Mighty, which was inspired by Ultraman, which was inspired by Godzilla. So you know, it's all yeah, it's, it's all time circle. is a flat circle. circle. Um. I guess There's that, also the the bunker busting. Oh um, yeah, the yeah. Bunker buster thing with the blood and yeah, yeah, yeah. And they yeah. even mimicked like the tank scene. Like it's it's the the way Godzilla's tail moves. The way like the like it, it's all the same. It's all directly. Well, yeah, Godzilla has Godzilla. to have like nine billion foot long tails now, and everything. Um, I guess I guess that stuff didn't really bother me as much as it did Matt, just because like to me those are the only parts of Shin Godzilla that I really like, you know, like I like that, that whole sequence in Shin Godzilla, like I'm not the biggest fan of that movie, but I, I think that sequence up until there's like the wonky CG when he freezes, that sequence is pretty incredible. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to really complain that like, oh, this is actually in something that you'll enjoy the rest of, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It, I, I, and I mean, it, it's, it, Toho does that. I mean, they make one thing that's successful. They find ways to work it into other stuff down the line. And, you know, it, it wasn't surprising enough to be a disappointment for me. For me, it was like, oh, of course they're going to do that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you guys, the rest well, here, of you guys. Here's my, here's my beef with it. It's that they took all these other monsters and they reinvented them in fairly creative ways. And then when it comes to Godzilla, they predictably just regurgitate Shin. And listen, I, I like Godzilla Ultima. I love everything about the ending of this, and we're, we're going to obviously talk about that. But it, it's a disappointment when they could have made other creative choices, especially with anime when the medium lends itself to be able to do literally whatever you can draw, you can do. And they elected to just show us Shin Godzilla 2.0. There, there were other creative choices they could have made. They could have still had him evolve. I, I feel like they, they do enough sequences. I feel like they do enough non-Shin inspired stuff with him that it just doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't really register for me so much as a flaw or anything. I'm curious to see what uh, these guys have to say. I thought that the uh, you know when he's kind of regenerating and there's just this fleshy mass that is uh, pushing stuff out of the way, like the adaptive armor they called it or whatever that was. That was different. So. Yeah, he has those, uh, I don't know what to call flesh tentacle-like things. It's a thing that is set up with Anguirus earlier, where like they, f they basically find that because he exists outside of our conception of space and time, he, you know, he, he can... He has this ability where if, if you do something to him... He'll be able to 
sense in advance that it's happening and stop like he uses light to refract he refracts light as a kind of armor to stop something in advance and that's what godzilla does late which that sentence is insane i know anguirus refracts light to make (laughs) armor that bounces bullets i know he predicts um, the future. <laughs> but yeah, they do that again with Godzilla later, and he has, like, these things that are kind of, like, fleshy tentacles, like, come out as, like, this armor that, like, will stop a missile or whatever. Yeah, that, that you it's know, like the, uh, that, that was a different arm. touch. I don't know, what, Tom, Kevin, were you guys bothered by the, I guess, the Shin callbacks? I mean, I liked Shin, so... Uh... I, I, I'm fine with that just kind of being a, a a starting point for a lot of Godzilla stuff from from here on out. You know, it's just like when you go to the rides at the theme parks, it's, it's Shin Godzilla is the baseline. Well, so. I, I also think... I also think we do have to keep in mind that any new Godzilla thing is and should, in all honesty, be kind of also something that people who aren't super into the franchise can identify and like Shin in Japan was the biggest Godzilla movie in a very long time so like if anyone it, it I don't know it's kind of normie appeal to me it's like okay yeah, a lot of people that I'm are just, coming into this might have only seen Shin so let's give them something recognizable that yeah that I think is is a is a piece of it and then I also think like that that i think is a big piece of it honestly is like yeah this this thing was popular so you know like let's make sure people recognize this other thing by bringing the popular element of it right um and then i i'm with you bird where like i i feel like i've said this i feel like i might have said this about something on gvk uh godzilla versus kong as it related to king of the monsters honestly but uh, or I just said it in our chat, but um, I like seeing elements and things from m- movies <laughs> that I kind of didn't like in things that I do like to be like, oh, yeah, I don't have a problem with this idea, like multiple form Godzilla, um, the, 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 the bunker. But like, I don't have a problem with with that thing. I just don't like the story that it's right right um so i I like having some of the cooler elements i guess of shin godzilla in something i like (laughs) yeah um there's also a king of the monsters callback too there's a part where he's like um like shooting his beam into the air and it's all blue so it's not just shin godzilla that they're like hey this is a recent thing remember that you have callbacks but then you have like they legitimately just regurgitate specific shot for shot scenes and that's to me that's a lack of execution and it's a lack of creativity they could have done other things and still had godzilla evolve i think there's enough creativity in the rest of the show (laughs) i can let it slide well again it's specific to godzilla you get so little godzilla in this that like i think that's the disappointment Uh here here we go i mean (laughs) no like (laughs) not not that the you know what i mean They could have done. It could have been utilized. It's a legitimate. A <laughs> it's it's a legitimate complaint, Matt. I think. So well, I I do think this is a a good time to kind of bring up how much baggage I guess the internet 
culture around fandoms, not just Godzilla. I mean, you see it everywhere. Is is people kind of do go into a lot of things, and I'm sure some of us are probably guilty of it with some things, you know. But with like almost a mental checklist of like, here's how much screen time Godzilla has to be in. Here's how this monster should be treated. For example, I had a couple friends, and then I also saw it in a lot of comments. I can't believe they killed Anguirus after he's only been in two episodes. Blah blah blah, and. I'm not sure exactly where things get disconnected, but, like, kind of what I was saying about Manda, it's like, Anguirus is always... I love him. I love him to death. But he's always been a, a, a B to C player, a very minor character. I think the only movie he has a really substantial role in are Raids Again and Gigan. And other than that, he usually just shows up to get beat up, to establish some other threat, or... The only Whatever. movie where he's still there at the end is Gigan. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. true. That is true. Um, even even in his first appearance, where he's like, kind of the like a major thing, he gets killed like halfway through the movie. <laughs> he is everyone's yeah. favorite punching bag in the Godzilla fandom. I, 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 they wrote a, IDW wrote a whole comic about that. <laughs> Well, speaking of IDW comics, um, but yeah, I, I guess I guess I'm just trying to find the right way to say like uh, the way fandom and maybe it maybe some of the merchandising is to blame how many toys this monster has and, and so on and so forth have really kind of built the idea of a lot of these characters. Like Varan, that was one of the most explosive disappointments. That, that Varan was not in this. And it's like, Varan had a three-second cameo in Destroy All Monsters, and he had he starred in Ashiro Honda's worst kaiju movie. He's a well, really cool-looking you know, monster. He's a... The Varan suit that Marase built is like a masterpiece of kaiju suit-making. But, you know, I was seeing comments about him and Gabra of like, we waited... 60 years to for this character to come back and this is what we get it's like no one's waiting for varan like i know you have a shelf of varan figures but varan sucks <laughs> nobody cares There's about not really varan. an interesting story behind that one yeah it, just... nobody cares about varan or gabra like these aren't these aren't sacred ground these are like very low in the hierarchy of you know important monsters and so like they're they have no legacy to be besmirched or anything and this this is nothing new when it comes to marketing and uh, marketing uh, duping people or um building up the importance of a certain thing having it be the other thing it's it's not it's neither new nor does it happen so infrequently that people shouldn't be able to like kind of be prepared for things like this remember when darth maul was built up to be like the biggest thing in the world <laughs> yeah, and then he has right. two lines and he gets killed like rem <laughs> remember right. when boba fett was built up by star wars merchandise to be the biggest thing and then he gets bumped into and yeah yeah no flies. yeah the Bo I, I made the comparison and <laughs> to you guys recently like Varan is a monster everyone likes because he looks cool but he doesn't do anything and he sucks 
He's Bo- Boba he is the Boba Fett Boba. Of, of Godzilla. <laughs> it's like the, I really this, think it's this, I, I think it's because fans can't separate like their wants and their desires from like the quality of what they're watching. They look at them as being the same. They're not they're not taking in the show on its own terms and merits or they're projecting what they desired and want. I mean, we how many memes did we see of people that thought like the MonsterVerse was a, was going to continue with 20 movies and Varan was going to be released in 2022. <laughs> like it's 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 absurd and and people project what they want as opposed to just saying okay, I'm going to watch this thing and take it on its own terms and they they just they can't separate those two things. And and to back to my point, this happens in the god like this has happened recently in the Godzilla franchise. This I don't understand how fans still keep doing this to themselves. <laughs> like remember remember all the ads for 2014 when I was like, "Oh my god, Rodan's in this movie." And and like even the producers <laughs> were like, "No, Rodan is not in this movie." <laughs> <laughs> and then and then also when people thought that the two firemen standing off to the side of the, the, one Mothra, shot were the Mothra the Mothra twins, fairies right, and right. stuff like like that was why yeah no that was all insane uh yeah this, i mean this I, was I, not I, that long <laughs> ago that that these people let themselves get tricked by this and then they're doing it to themselves again <laughs> uh i mean it is true we get this like we i guess we saw this explode in pop culture the most recently probably with the last jedi and it's like there's legitimate, valid criticisms and reasons to dislike The Last Jedi. None of those are the reasons Star Wars fans give you <laughs> when you talk about The Last Jedi. So I, I think that expectations and reality need to coexist a little bit better. And like I think it was Matt that said, um, you know, you really kind of have to judge the work on its own merits not on what on your expectations sometimes that can be extremely difficult to separate i you know i i get it i sympathize with people that that do that but uh and there are legitimate things to complain about with this show and i, I don't want to get too far into them and 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 you know pick apart things too too much but like i mean we've talked about some of the kaiju like Matt says Manda doesn't matter, and that's, I mean, whatever. Well, I mean, that's a good segue, because, I mean, it sounds like we're all okay with all the choices that were made with Godzilla, except for Matt with his, um, you know, complaint about the Shin callbacks. But, yeah, I mean, uh, we've said enough good stuff. That's like a legitimate complaint, too. There's not a ton of Godzilla in this. It's not like this isn't Titanosaurus, right? Yeah, there's not a ton of Godzilla in this, and to just do recreations of another thing is like a little bit like yeah you could have either give us more godzilla or you know be original with every little bit of screen time he gets right so it's a legitimate complaint there are legitimate things to complain about with this show well let's start to get into our negatives um uh, i'm gonna piggyback off godzilla on my okay well yeah you go first you are you're already uh all hot and bothered. Let's let's hear it. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to piggyback off of Godzilla on my biggest complaint and massive spoilers. I guess. I mean, you know, if you've if you've been listening this far and you've been listening to two hours of this um, or <laughs> whatever, it's yeah, we're been, just about at two hours. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, this is your this is your time. Uh, I don't think we've given any major major spoilers at this point, but major spoiler now. <laughs> Um, at the end, 
and this is my biggest complaint in general about the whole show is the end. Um, so at the end, they figure out how to properly code this device called the orthogonal diagonalizer, uh, the OD. By the which, way, I just want to say orthogonal diagonalization is an actual thing. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> We're not going to tell you what it is because I don't think any of us know or understand it at the moment. <laughs> but hopefully we'll be able to talk about it in a future episode. But yes, continue uh, with, with, with solving differential equations. Yes, so it's go, right. yeah, go ahead with your uh, uh, thing about the OD. So they they figure out how to configure it. And the whole reason they're trying to figure out how to configure it properly is to stop the red dust. Because the red dust is what's going to cause the catastrophe. Um. And Godzilla creates the red dust, and he's connected to the red dust. So how do you stop Godzilla? You have to stop the red dust. How do you stop the red dust? You have to perfect the orthogonal diagonalizer. How do you perfect the orthogonal diagonalizer? You have to know how to stop Godzilla. There's your loop. Um, But so they they figure it out, and they detonate the orthogonal diagonalizer, and they neutralize all the red dust. And, like, Godzilla just disappears. And nobody at, at at any point like is like, oh, what happened to Godzilla? Or like or like, oh, Godzilla's dead or anything. Like he just disappears at that moment and is never seen in the rest of the show. And now the rest of the show also, I think, in general, could use a little bit more of a how do you pronounce it? Is it denouement um, or denouement? I'm not sure how you pronounce that word, but like. There's not a whole lot of rest of the show left, but like Godzilla does just straight up like disappear and it almost feels like he's forgotten. And in general, the whole end of the show too, just it's the it's like the weakest part of the show because also the last time we see Habaru before he before the the end of the show, he's falling off of like a cliff uh, into his certain doom. And then he's just riding on Yoon's little Vespa at the end. Like, there's a lot of stuff that the end of this show just does without feeling like it really properly wrapped up or addressed. I think there is a shot of him in the back of the truck, but he's like it, safe. Yeah. But like, yeah, I you like see I don't him and, and Otaki also. Yeah, I, I, it, it doesn't say like how they survived that fall, but like you see them like sit up and be like, oh. It's over or something. I don't know. Still, exactly. You don't. They're they're plunging off of like a hundred foot drop to their death in a truck. I, you I, could you could at least have had the old man be like, "Oh, I'm crazy inventor wacky, wacky man. I created a <laughs> an airbag for this." <laughs> I I can justify it just in the sense that they have talked about how. Like math and and physics and stuff are breaking down close to the singular point. Space is warping. Maybe the truck didn't fall as far as it appeared to. Maybe gravity was different. Maybe you know they, they hit it and they were just had no consequences because of whatever reason. But they don't tell you any of this. It's all just kind of yeah. you speculating. So I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that we do get is we see some of the because the the OD like re 
it like converts uh, the red dust into another form. And I think they even say it, it might only be temporary, but you see blue crystals, and I'm assuming that is Godzilla or some of his energy or something. It's not space the Godzilla. Thing- I've already seen this. Ha- I've already seen this. <laughs> People, don't, don't do this. Because I, I know there isn't an official second season announced, but it's probably, like, it's, it's, it's decently likely. But don't do this, okay? Don't, don't do this again. Just don't. Um, the, the thing that's temporary is when they detonate it on Sarunga, Salunga, and it, like, pierces him, but it's all the red crystals yeah which by the way that part where he like breaks out of the last time they do that and he's walking and they're all like falling out of him is awesome that is great um he is he's awesome and he's cooler than gabra so i don't want to hear it um uh yeah no i i can i can i can get you get with you on that um yeah, there's no one really has much time to reflect. Like the next thing we see is a montage, and we see May and Yoon like actually meet in physical space. And there's a you see Paro three, because um, two sacrificed himself. Um, but yeah, you you don't really get much what's going on. And you know, I I think I think some of that is inten- I think it's intentional to leave the door open if they do another season. But it might be leaving the door a little too open. Um, I guess I'll go... Tom, is there anything else you wanted to pinpoint as far as Um, your negatives? I think I alluded to it a little bit in my kind of talking about my overall impressions, but there's some some moments where the pacing um, could maybe be worked a little bit better. You know, um, like I said, some episodes are very exposition-heavy and not a lot happens in them. Um... You know, I guess with when you're working with a TV show, yeah, you can kind of have ebbs and flows like that, especially as short as each individual episode is. It's it's a little more forgivable, but like it's a you know, it's a thing, right? Uh, There's some episodes where like where we start and where we finish are not that different at all. Um, And I don't know, maybe if, if maybe another another pass at the script or if you had storyboarded, right. You know, cause they, they didn't have a storyboard. Um, if you kind of, kind of, if you did it normal. To, yeah. If you, if you had done it normally, maybe you would have realized, Oh, we've got like a, you know, a whole episode. And then the first part of another episode where not much is happening. Maybe we can move this piece here, move that piece there to kind of pace this out just a little bit better. Um, those are kind of my my biggest things. I have a there's like all kinds of other little shit, but I don't I don't want inconsequential get, stuff. All right, yeah. um, Matt, I'll I'll go to you next because I know that there's some stuff that you probably have in mind you want to talk about. Um, so you already got the Shin Godzilla callbacks and Manda out of the way. <laughs> um, what, <laughs> uh, what are the negatives here for you? So I, I think there's a couple of things. One is I, I wonder like when the show was being planned out, like how they how they factored in the ending because like it we don't we know we know what Ar- Ashihara does like we don't quite know his motivations and I think the end sequence right where like it's revealed that somehow he's coming out of the singular point or he's still around or whatever it is and now they have taken the 
Godzilla bones and they put them into Mecha Godzilla. Like that seems like, hey, this could just be a really cool teaser at the end. But then the way that they have him kind of be there and he's got this sort of ominous smile calls into question like what he was actually doing. Like, was he trying to stop the catastrophe as everybody thought or is there a lot more to it? And then you have that one. The, the well, I think that's guy. intentional. I mean, it's fair well, to not yeah. like it, but I, I, I think no, that's no, no, no. intentional. I'm not saying that's a bad part. I'm saying like you have the, the entire subplot with like the arms dealer guy and they steal the skeleton. And like it tells me that there's a lot more they could have done with that specific character. And it just feels kind of like it's very open ended. Was it intended for season two? Nobody knows. If there's no story to continue from there, I think that's kind of a disappointment because like the arms dealer guy, he's there, he exists, but I don't know. Like, he steals the skeleton, he exists for the end scene credit, and that's essentially it. And I just, I don't know, I don't I don't like that side of it. I also think there is a lot of exposition. I know that it feels maybe, well, there has to be, they're explaining stuff. But I think they do it to, like, May's detriment, especially. As a character, she sort of exists to be this go-between with her and Yoon, and they're, like, talking over text message. It's read to you in lightning-fast speed. It's a lot to follow. And I think that it's at the detriment of like, or in place of even some character development, it makes me not care about her as a character a lot more because she feels just like this exposition dump every time she's on screen. And honestly, that's kind of a criticism that I've seen about the show in general. It's like, it is really dialogue heavy. And to me, some of that dialogue is like, there's just so much and it's so dense and it's so very, um, mazzy. It's just a bunch of math. It's a bunch of expl- explanation that it takes you out of being able to to attach the characters, which isn't true for, like, Yoon or, like, the old man Goro or anybody with Otaki Factory. And so, like, that's kind of what takes me out of the show at times, and especially when you t- start getting into a couple of the episodes where, like, it's all dialogue. It sort of started to, to wear out its welcome at that point. I think the show closes on a high note for me. I actually like the way the show wraps up. And I, I, I agree with Tom. Like, there's some questions you have about how you know goro survives the the fall in the truck and things like that but i really like what they do with godzilla and Jet jaguar that i'm like okay i can i can forgive those things but my biggest gripe is like the the explanations that we get in lieu of real character development my uh, counterpoint to that okay because uh, i, I want to hear this because i was i was kind of gonna see if i i, I kind of wanted to box Matt back a little bit on some of that, but where do it's you come not, down? It's not an invalid complaint. Yeah, it's right? not. I, mean, I don't it's, think it's, it's invalid either. Right. But I think for for me, it did work. I considered it like dialogue as character development and dialogue as style, um, almost like a Tarantino yes. type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, that's lots of rapid fire dialogue. You guys very must have been much, better at math class than me because very, very <laughs> much a lot of it that you might not understand. But really, the the point isn't understand the dialogue. The point is this character knows all these things, right? And so, um, like that is May's character. Her character is that she's very knowledgeable. And how do you get across that she's very knowledgeable? You have her rapid fire off these high level physics concepts that people really can't understand and she does it so fast that's that's like that's their that's like the their version of show don't tell type of thing right is by having her tell so much so fast that you can't even follow it you're telling us 
how smart she really is. And as a, as a counter agree. to that, oh okay, <laughs> uh, you, you see, and this is good characterization that is you know she's she's very smart, but she's dumb in other ways. You know, you see her refrigerating an empty bottle. She goes to a conference basically dressed in pajamas. She <laughs> uh, she she wonders where did I leave my 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 key to get into my suitcase? Oh, I left it in the suitcase because I never locked it. You know, a whole bunch of this like scatterbrained type of. But that is that, but that is good characterization too. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, and 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 it, it's very much like um, if you know someone who. Uh, either, you know, you see it sometimes with people that are on the spectrum. You see it a lot with people that have ADHD. It's like they are hyper-focused on the, their level of interest, and they're kind of a mess everywhere else. Um, like, in organizationally. Like, li- I don't, I, like, like, literally as in, like, their, their living space is messy because they're fo- so focused on one thing that other things are neglected or... And yeah, like the example about the the suitcase key, like that's the perfect example of that. Um, and uh, and and it it all it's also true that um, it, I think May also is a little more in between on the smarts stuff than either any of you have, are giving her credit for, because there are a lot of times where we're at, she is acting as the audience cipher, and we're getting information through her POV from Pero or from Yoon. And so she's, she's, she's learning quite a bit as this, as you know, in each episode, you know, I mean, she's given these big textbooks and, and math formulas. And she's like, I don't even know where to start with this. And then, you know, we see how other people help her through it. Well, that's, that's sort of the the difference between um, intelligence and knowledge. You know, she's extremely intelligent. She just doesn't even know these things, right? So, like, I, I get what you're saying, right? Because there's times where she's just, like, completely lost and Yoon, like, prods her along with, like, these very, like, kind of probing questions almost, you know, like... She's like, I don't even know where to start. And he's like, well, where, where where do you think I might start? Or where do you think, you know, someone someone should start? And should like, like, she's just kind of scatterbrained and also, like, doesn't have the knowledge. But she has the intelligence to be able to figure it out really fast. Like, yeah, so- these are these are things. And it happens at one point. They're like, they're like, you explained to me in. 30 seconds after first hearing about this, this concept that I've been working on for 13 years. Yeah. And I don't know that I got that timing exactly right, but she does something like that. Yeah. At one Dr. Point. Lee <laughs> says something like, I, I spent the last, like my, I basically spent my whole job at this place trying to figure out what you figured out in like four seconds. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think, I think she's extremely intelligent. She just doesn't, she's, She's extremely intelligent. She just doesn't already have the knowledge because she doesn't already have the access to it because she's more of an everyman kind of character. She's coming to this from the outside. She doesn't come from a place of special, specific knowledge about what's going on already. She doesn't know shit about about, uh, Shiva, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, so that's that. That's why I I push back a little bit on the idea that she's an exposition machine. I mean, we've seen plenty of Godzilla movies with exposition machine characters, like the main guy in uh, like Godzilla vs. Destroya. Like, she is not that. Um, and th- that's how I kind of have make that distinction. Um, yeah, it's not a wildly like invalid. Like, I mean, I I can I, can I get it. Read, I just disagree with it. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I disagree that you disagree. So there, <laughs> Matt. Um, I have one that segues into mine. Um, but do you have anything else? Uh, as far as like bigger negatives, because I'm gonna go next. No, I really, no, I really think the exposition thing okay. and some of the loose ends um, are, are completely wrapped up. Okay, so for me, there's a few, and it kind of interweaves everything that you guys have said so far in one way or another. Um, the ending, not so much. I don't know. I the where got the where's Godzilla thing is like okay. I that's a little bit more of a whatever. It's a totally valid complaint. It's just not something that I, you know, racked my brain over. For me, um, the fact that there is a lot of stuff threaded through that's very obviously meant to lead to a potential second season, um, with all of that so up in the air right now, I can't really speak to, but it it, it does make it make me, I guess, anxious if there's no second season or something for some reason, like, it's going to be weird. Um, like the stuff with the the bones and, you know, Ashihara building the Mecha Godzilla. It's an amazing cliffhanger. Um, but we, we do get a lot of that guy, that character in the series. And we see him do other things. Like, he's actually the one that sets up the meeting with May and Dr. Lee. So there are questions like, okay, what is this guy's real relationship with all of this, was he always acting in his own interest to get the bones to Ashihara? Like, those are the questions I'm left with more than, like, oh, if there's no second season, we're never going to see Mechagods. Like, those are the questions that I want to know is, like, okay, what was his relationship to Dr. Lee? We don't really know. Um, and then, uh, the one that I alluded to a minute ago with Matt was his, his, his thing about there just being like, there are a lot of side characters, and you could probably trim that secondary cast by, like, half. Um, uh, I don't know. I didn't mind BB's daughter so much. It was, to me anyway, it was a welcome thing to kind of see someone of in, in an anime and a Godzilla thing that uh, was, you know, brown-skinned. Um, granted, yes, all she does is basically drive them to a location. Same with the other guy that, uh, it's Dr. Lee's friend that they, that they meet at the airport. He's just there to drive them somewhere. So there's all these side characters that are, like, just there to drive people places. And it's like, you could probably get rid of those guys. Um, one guy I want to give a shout-out to is BB. Uh, we really haven't talked much a lot about him, but he was a character I wasn't really expecting to like and was, like for me, like, a total MVP at the end, so, so kudos to BB, um, but yeah, stuff like the, the foreign affairs people and stuff like that probably could have been streamlined a little more, um, from what you, from what Matt and Kevin have said in separate cases is, in anime, a lot of supporting characters is, like, a norm, (laughs) so I guess it's just an anime 
thing. That is that is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then yeah, I mean, certain things that I wish I knew more about, like Shiva, like. I mean, there's enough there for me to figure it out. Like, Tilda, the lady that, like, kind of runs them, she doesn't really believe the, in the catastrophe. She just wants, you know, to advance the science of the, the, the OD. And then you have, like, Bibi, who really does think something's going to go wrong, but then Dr. Lee, who, as an audience, we are are conditioned to like and believe, she says you can't trust Bibi. And so there's there's little levels of, like not quite understanding where everyone sits on the chessboard. Um, and that's something that I really could have used more of. Um, and they even mention later on um, uh, when they get to uh, the place that has the actual singular point, like supercomputer underneath it. Like they, they even say like Shiva's like, a, a hodgepodge, like, Frankenstein-together organization of people with different goals and no one really believes each other or whatever. But, I don't know, a little more clarity could be used there um, for me. Um, and uh, I think those are those are really the only big things that I, I think took away from it. Um, the finale is great, aside from what Tom said about, like, where are we now? Aside from yeah, 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 but like aside from (laughs) aside from yeah, they're building Mechagodzilla. Like, what is the state of the world? You know, where is Godzilla? What is going on right now? What what's up with all these crystal structures and whatever? Um, And all the characters, like, where do they stand with each other? And you know, yeah, like, yeah, where, where, what is, where is everyone now? those are really the the big things I think for me. You know, um, you have you have four hours of storytelling and like thirty seconds of wrap up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but the finale otherwise is great. I mean, Jet Jaguar gives a legitimate like emo- There's a, like a legitimate emotional catharsis with that sacrifice. I mean, uh, the, you get cool things like Mega Newlands running around on Godzilla's back or whatever, like. Um, but yeah, that's where my negatives are. So Kevin, I'm going to let you, um, you know, if there's any thorns that are in your side here. Uh, so, you know, just in terms of the storytelling, there is a little bit that I'm not sure what is supposed to be left up to viewer interpretation and what's supposed to be, uh, kind of parsed out. And that's something where just as, uh, you know, a lazy person, part of me is like, could, <laughs> Could you just like publish a book that has like a chart of the timeline or something like there that? There is that so guidebook. It's a, the Japanese book that's it's either coming out or like it's come or it's either out or coming out very soon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if someone could get that translated, I'm looking at you, Matt Burkett. Uh, I mean, that would be great. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree with that. But continue. Uh, so yeah, just some 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 things along those lines where you know not everything is like you were mentioning in terms of, you know, maybe you were supposed to be able to, to speculate uh, about all of the stuff with Ashihara. You know, it's, it's like when you get to the end of Shin Godzilla, like that's very clearly like a, uh, we're not going to give you any more answers. You're supposed to figure out what it means. Or is it something where like, oh no, you're supposed to have been able to figure this out from the pieces that we, we have given you already. Uh, and, you know, some of the stuff like, you know, what's, 
what's what's Tilda's deal or whatever. It's just kind of like, well, maybe I'm supposed to figure this out or maybe there's something else going on. It's uh, I, I don't know. So that's where it can get a little bit um, a little bit frustrating. And, you know, I think a lot of that is going to just depend on if we are, in fact, getting more or if yeah. we are not or if we were ever supposed to get more or are we not. <laughs> and they haven't. Like everything I've heard suggests it's only 13 episodes, which if that's true, I'm not as like averse to that as all of you. I'll just kind of have to reframe how I think about the series in terms of like how much is is meant to be open ended. Um, Now, what I am a little bit like kind of wondering about is a lot of kind of meta type of stuff. Like, is it is it? Sharanga or is it Sarunga? Is it Pero or is it Pelops? Like what? Why are why are these things discongruous? What are you, what are you doing there? So that's that. Those are the things I'd, I'd like to get answers for. Okay, um, I think that's all all uh, pretty valid. Oh, you know we? I mean, we talked about the theme song, but just in general, the music in this is really good. Oh yeah, the the chant. That's repeated throughout. And yeah, the, that's the, like, that's actually an original song from a, an Indian singer made just for the show. Uh, her name's Annette Phillips, I believe, but it's it's an earworm, that's for sure. Uh, the epic version at the very end is yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it being a, a palindrome and apparently about splitting apart and coming together, it's all very like thematically resonant with everything that the show is doing. Oh. That was something I was gonna. I don't know if you if you guys came across this. Okay, the 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 episode titles in both English and Japanese are exactly eight characters long. Okay, mm-hmm. and if you take the this is insane. <laughs> it's like if you take the first and last letter of each the first and last character of each episode, and what is it? It's like you have to. Arrange it along the edges of a cube in 3D space. Or no, you, you you arrange the titles of the, the, the episodes along the edges of a cube in 3D spaces. The first and last letters intersect at the vertices and spell the word together. Which is the last episode title. Yes. That's insane. They managed to do that for like six different languages, which I, I can't, my brain melts. Who had that, that job and how are they still like, <laughs> are they okay? <laughs> like, are they in a hospital somewhere? <laughs> well, that, uh, that's why some of these episode titles are like Terzetto and you're like, what? Yeah. Um, that's pretty wild. Um, uh, so I guess, I mean, there's not too much more to go over, but I, I do think we would be, uh, remiss if i'm using hopefully i'm using that word correctly if we didn't talk about easter eggs um especially because this is like how to do easter eggs versus like skyping in an oxygen destroyer because you know what it is like (laughs) they literally have an an or the the od because i can't say the real words um orthogonal it is it looks like the oxygen destroyer but it's not an oxygen destroyer okay that's an easter egg um the end credit sequence is amazing um i remember after tom watched the first episode i forgot that it's not on the first episode and i was like dude that those end credits like 
what did you think? And he was like, I didn't see. And I started to like panic. I was like, oh my God, like did Netflix forget it? But it's, it's still there. Um, but the, I, I think we should talk about the end credit sequence. Cause it's basically May going for a walk and she quite literally walks through the entire Godzilla franchise, basically. You know, she walks past monsters and characters from every movie. Every she, yeah, movie. I mean, there's the Zone Fighter family in there. You have characters from the 98 movie. Um, you have, like, characters the from... The Gigon cast is yeah, in one of them. The, the, there's the sea monster cast, and, uh, like, they ca- they're, like, at sea, and they catch one of the sea lice from 84. I mean... I'm I, I, I it's impossible to go down the list um but in a podcast <laughs> in, a, in an already two hour long yeah podcast. like like going down the list of, of 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 references in that end credit scene would be a podcast like itself I, I mean yeah I mean everything from Godzilla 98 to Shin to like um you have like characters from final wars there it's like everyone's there (laughs) um and it's one of those things that like look you can like it or you can't but don't you dare try to pull the like these guys are don't care about godzilla they don't care about the franchise it's like say what you want about the show that end credit sequence is like the ultimate love letter (laughs) to this franchise I was so distracted by all of the cameos, it took me a couple of viewings before I realized that everything was a mirror image of what it should be. It'll, go on, because I don't know if I know what you're talking about. Uh, so, if it, watch the credits and like look at anywhere there's text, or like when she's playing a video, the arrow is pointing in the it's pointing to the to the left rather than to the right. Um, and uh, a whole lot of just little things like that in in these credits where you're like, wait, this is this is backwards. Um, oh yeah. Oh like yeah, the, yeah. The, they yeah. flip the Godzilla. Yeah, they, at the end they flip yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in terms of exactly what this means symbolically, uh, I don't know exactly. It kind of plays into some of the themes that go on. But I, I again, this would be something yeah. I would like to hear from somebody who worked on the show, like what the specific intention was right right um and then i mean there's some other stuff we talked about the callback to king of the monsters the callbacks to shin um but there's some and some really like fun ones that um are just sprinkled through the different episodes um like uh may has a yeah yeah yeah, right yeah there's a a a sort of a a remotely controlled, I don't know what you call it, a maintenance device? Nigel. <laughs> a robot? <laughs> yeah, but it's totally Nigel from the Godzilla the series. And then um, at the beginning of an episode, there's a little kid, um, and you see like his shelf of plush toys. On there, um, you see Godzuki, um, and then you see the 98 got animated uh, Godzilla from Godzilla the series. And then you also see the giant turtle and Komodo Thrax, both from the episode where Godzilla gets laid, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and I and I think Kevin, it w- I think it was you that said like in Japan the American Godzilla cartoons are like pretty difficult to see. 
Like, I know yeah, they were aired. DVD or anything. Yeah. So. so it's like, those are already deep cuts here, but they're like super deep cuts in Japan. Um, when the, the dead Manda's on the beach, I believe, there's a guy in the crowd that's wearing a Dagara hat that says Dagara and it has the monster from Mothra 2. Um, there's a part where May is researching, um, I think like, I don't remember what she's researching, dinosaurs maybe, but, uh, she pulls up a picture of, uh, Retosaurus, the beast from 20,000 Fathoms, that of course Godzilla famously was, uh, quote-unquote inspired by, um, and in the corner of that photo is also Raquel Welch from One Million Years BC, so it's like... Finally, there's a an, an in-media homage to Harryhausen. You know, I mean, we know Harryhausen's influence on the genre is, like, immeasurable, but it was cool to finally see that in a Japanese Godzilla thing. Um, uh, May has the Baragon uh, phone case. Um, and uh, there's a part where her phone is doing something, and uh, there's... Uh, uh, Mogera, the the fifty the 50s version from the Mysterians yep. is like the, I don't know what the mascot or something. Um, yeah, that's when uh, when Eunice is trapped in the warehouse and the Rodans are breaking in. Yeah, um, and then uh, yeah, I mean, and then there's some some that are more easy to spot, like the the big silkworms from the other dimension or whatever. At the end, are obviously like you know they're tiny little Mothras. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, those, I mean, there's, there's the place, the, there's stuff everywhere. Like at the end, building Mechagodzilla, you see that they have like, you know, some assistance from people in like Mysterians outfits. And it's like, well, are we gonna, are, is he actually getting help from Mysterian? Like we, we, we don't know, but, um. Cause there's references to SETI early on. Yeah. Yeah. The, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Right. So, um, there's three like, of the, uh, the Shin Godzilla cast show up also. Yeah, that's right. Um, three characters from Shin Godzilla show up like as those characters, like very briefly. It's in like one scene in one of the last episodes. They show up to Otaki's garage. Um, it's the, the one girl that's always on the computer. Um... Who are the, uh, the 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 main guy that talks in that scene is uh Yeah, so, so he's the guy that like uh is is skeptical at first and then he freaks out and then he's like, "Oh, sorry." Yeah, yeah, he's the guy that is looking at the computer and he's like, "Woo!" and everyone looks at him like, "What's wrong with you?" And that's like the only thing I remember him doing in Shin Godzilla. And then there's like the one other guy who I don't even remember him saying anything in Shin Godzilla. I'm sure he did, but um Again, these are Easter eggs, people. These aren't deep, meaningful things. <laughs> um, anyway, shared the, Godzilla universe, <laughs> right, yeah, point. yeah, shared universe, um, confirmed. Yeah, but I mean, I, those are. Th- would you guys agree? Like, those are the kinds of Easter eggs that work when you're making something like this. Like, yeah. it, it shouldn't be a showstopper. It's it. Yeah, it's it's similar to Godzilla versus Kong. It's you drop an Easter egg in there, and if people get it, they get it, and if they don't, it just goes right past them. Yeah, it shouldn't be something that someone like is like, "Wait, what does that mean?" Like that, and that's that that's where I I will say that the hetero one do, does kind of falter and fail a little bit, right? Because like 
the the idea that the Kumonga can make their blood do something or whatever, that's never really expanded upon enough, you know? Um, it seems like it maybe should be significant and it's not expanded on and you could be left going like, what the f was that? Um, but like, yeah, a lot of, a lot of the Easter eggs in this for the most part are just like, they're just things that are there. And if you notice them and you know what they are, then you get it. And yeah. if you don't, there's, it just, it goes right past you and you don't even know that you missed anything. Yeah. So all that stuff is super fun to see and notice and talk about. Um, the cool thing is, from what I understand, this show has been pretty successful over there. Um, I know when it was being broadcast, they started doing like encore showings where they'd run it, you know, again. Uh, I think eventually they started running an episode and then playing it again right after, um, which is something some shows here used to do. Um, I know at one point, I have a friend whose fiance lives in Japan, and uh, her dad like really loves baseball, and they they kept running the god they 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 kept starting the baseball game without interrupting the singular point broadcast, which is like not normal, and he kept getting frustrated because Godzilla kept keeping him from watching his baseball. So <laughs> so so it it does seem like it's pretty successful there so hey i mean if they get a go-ahead for a season two like sign me up i mean i this is the this show is the most excited i've been about a godzilla thing probably since before the 2014 movie came out i don't know if that i don't know if you guys feel that way but that that's like this 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 is kind of like what i've been waiting for that's how I felt about it. It's the thing you've been waiting your whole life for? Yeah, let's not get too wild here. <laughs> so so uh, I, I will say that... Uh, so I watched this with uh, with Amanda um, at one point, and uh, she want, went to like go look up Japanese reactions online. And as, as, as a little bit of a damper, uh, when she searched, uh, you know, Google has these like auto autocomplete things, right? And one of the... One of the, the uh, uh, auto-complete things was Gojira Singular Point Tsumuranai, which is uh, dull, uninteresting, or boring. So, <laughs> like, it's not just Western fandom that sometimes expresses these things. I believe it. I believe it. I feel vindicated. It's, it's, the, toe, it's the toe and Joe effect, right? I mean, Yeah, yeah that, right? That's what, what the, yeah, that quote that we said earlier. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, hey, it, it, if the at least if the ratings are good, I mean, maybe we can get some more. I mean, that's that's kind of where where I I stand on that. You know, I I would I would like there to be more. Um, I'd like there to be more, just so that the end of this doesn't feel bother as you. Bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Incidentally, it's a lot of fun to uh, to watch with a with a linguist because she was just like, ah, oh, yes, well, you know, uh, May's name means uh, in inscription, uh, but her last name means uh, God, and uh, uh, BB, his name is uh, Barra, which is Irish for uh, pointed weapon and things like that, and like, oh, this is this is kind of neat, or like Habaru's name means samurai, like this little. So, um, that is pretty cool, by the way. Um, I mean, I, I don't know, that shows how much thought actually went into this. Um, but, uh, like, while we're talking about the future, I mean, it sounds like all of us would be totally on board for a season two. 
um, and hopefully the success of it will make that happen um, because I, I think there's definitely some things that these guys would like to explore. You know, I, I mean, Mechagodzilla, obviously, and and that there's so many implications in that stinger that like I love, and I would love to see where they go with that. Um, that being said, I, I kind of think we're at an interesting place in the Godzilla series. I, I think it, I, I mean, people don't like when I say this, but I, I think that it's heavily indicated that the MonsterVerse side of this is done. If not, you know, I mean, whatever. But I, I would have no reasonable reason to think we would get more, at least on the Godzilla end, you know, Kong, we'll see. Um, but what Toho has been doing is really kind of cool to me. I, I, I mean, as all these projects came out, you know, you let them digest and everything. And um, we had Shin Godzilla followed by the Polygon trilogy, followed by this. And on the American end, we've had the MonsterVerse and... It seems like Toho's thing now is just kind of being like, hey, you're doing a Godzilla thing. Uh, go nuts. Don't Make sure he doesn't eat anybody. <laughs> you know? And, and, <laughs> and they kind of just let these guys do their thing. And, and, and even though out of Toho... Like, I, I, I'm not very keen on Shin Godzilla, and I really dislike the Polygon films, but... I appreciate the variety that they have provided, you know, and I'm... O- I like the approach. Yeah, I, and, and I'm okay with, like, I realize the longer this franchise goes, I, the more likely it is I'm not going to like everything. So if it's if I hate something, okay, that's my problem and I'll get over it, but I'm not going to lose sleep over it, you know? And and so if, if Toho are going to insist on Godzilla going and going and going. I like that there's this kind of like Baskin Robbins, hey, try all 30-some flavors now, instead of like... It's the complete opposite of how Tanaka and Tamiyama ran it. And we've seen... And now I, I feel safe in saying we've seen the positive and negative effects of that approach. And it's very similar almost into how DC has run their stuff outside of, like, just the Justice League movie. They're kind of just like, there's no real plan, so, like, just make a thing. <laughs> and, and yeah, you, you get some really bad takes at some sometimes, but you also get a variety of content that you wouldn't get if if you were doing the Marvel thing, right? Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I think, you know, um, it's... It, like you, like I mentioned, like I, I really like that approach, and I, I really think it's the, it's the, it's the approach that people have been saying like Star Wars should do, and it's the approach that something like Godzilla should do. We're, we're the property. We, we have like, you come to us and tell us your idea, you know. We like, we like you. We like some of the things you've done. What's your idea if you got? a Godzilla movie. And that's what people have been like, like what people should do with star Wars is like make directors pitch them, you know? And then, and then if you think that it works for Godzilla, then can go with it. And I, 
I like that approach. Um, yes, it's it can be frustrating at times because Toho is extremely scatterbrained seeming right now, and um, they've seemed to become even more difficult to work with when you get to talk to about international yeah. uh, <laughs> licen- <laughs> licensing and things than, than they used to be. And they used to be pretty notoriously bad to work with. Um, so there's, there's the problems and the issues that, that come with it. But like in general, especially for Godzilla, like I don't, I don't need a Godzilla cinematic universe, you know, I, I said about the, the MonsterVerse, it would have been really cool if we would have gotten some tight continuity across four movies instead of having them just feel like they were just four friggin' movies that happened. But, like, I don't need a Godzilla that connects to a Mothra, that connects to a Varan, that connects to a, a Rodan, that connects to a Gidra origin story, that connects <laughs> to a Destroy All Monsters. Like, I really don't. And so the, the like like it's not like DC, right? Like, yes, I appreciate some of the variety that DC gives us, but at the same time, then you've got like all the heroes off doing their own thing, and then all of a sudden you bring them all together in Justice League, and it's not cohesive. I, you don't ever need to worry about that with Godzilla. Just do a Godzilla thing over here, and do a Godzilla thing over there, and do a different Godzilla thing, and have them all be different. And who the hell cares? Because there's no continuity, there's no shared universe. It doesn't like that piece of it doesn't matter. So just do whatever, as long as it's good. <laughs> I uh, the other thing I want to add to that is I'm making a plea with people to realize. It, look, I came to this realization. It wasn't easy. It was it was difficult. But we need to stop living in 1998. What I mean by that is, at this point, we've had some... Toho has made some wild versions of Godzilla, crazier than anything than 1998 was. And at this point, we're... Since 1998, we've had all the Millennium films, we've had the MonsterVerse, we've had the Polygon Trilogy, we've had Shin Godzilla, and we've had this. We've seen Godzilla in Shin, he's the weird shape-shifting thing that constantly evolves based on how he's attacked. In the Polygon Trilogy, he's a plant-based thing that terraforms planets, and this, he, he, he goes through different forms based on, you know, what kind of, like, like environment he's in whether he's in the water or on land or whatever and it's and we've seen mixed results from that which means we've seen good results from that which means it's time to be comfortable with some of these crazier ideas and i wasn't always that person even looking at this podcast i'm sure you could go back to times where i may not have felt that way but what i'm saying is it's time to get over all these restrictions that as fans we are putting on Godzilla and the trying to put on the creators of this content and really just let people be creative and do something. And if you feel like it's too far off the beaten path, I mean that's well within your rights, but it's it's time to really let go of of that because 
uh, I think it was Kevin that said early on, like, people are nitpicking the historically inconsistent traits of all these monsters. And it's like, yeah, in 1991, if the internet was around, would people be normal about Ghidorah being three cute little things mutated by a, a, a an atomic bomb? And, like, we're comfortable no. with... Yeah, well, right, yeah. And it's <laughs> it's just, it's time to embrace this more esoteric uh, Godzilla-ism, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, and, and I, it's why I don't even... I used to say it all the time. I don't even do the Godzilla and name-only Geno thing when referring to 98. To me, it's like, that's just a very different, very radical take on Godzilla. It just happens to suck. It's time to get away to, from to that. Piggy, to it's time to get on, away from on, the Geno thing. To piggyback on that too, uh, get over the. It's not 1998 anymore. W- number one, the potential for Godzilla as a as a franchise of like dying and never having another Godzilla at this point. I th- I think that's put to bed, right? Like after that 98 movie came out, and then especially after Final Wars fizzled out it, it kind of felt like that that might be it yeah that, the 98 that might 98 that left might people bad taste everywhere final wars left bad taste in japan and it, yeah it's at the point where they're gonna keep doing this until way after we are dead it's yeah. not gonna end that that and and godzilla's moment for breaking into pop culture in america and becoming uh, extremely popular the, the the same way that superheroes or uh, I'm trying to think of what other movies over the Michael Bay movies or Fast and Furious are popular that time that has also passed yes um, we tried to do that it didn't really work right tried twice <laughs> yes. um, the, the moment has passed um be comfortable with it as being this n- sort of niche, sort of well-known, right? Um, kind of, kind of thing that that people have heard of, but nobody's seen. Um, great quote from uh, Takahashi that we didn't even talk about. Oh yeah, we we yeah. This is a great point to end on, I think. Um, but like. That people people have seen, but not everyone knows. Uh, or people know, I have but it not in front of seen. me. Do you want me to read um, it? I have it. Okay, I, okay. I think there. He says, "I think this is an excellent." I think there are many people who are aware of Godzilla, but there are surprisingly few who have sat down and watched a Japanese Godzilla film. Much less all of them. I do wonder how many people have seen them all. If you're one of the people who says you have, you're a nerd in the minority. I hope that watching Godzilla SP gives you motivate the motivation to sit down and watch the older Godzilla movies. Now, <laughs> only this fandom could take a quote where he's urging people to watch older movies and focus on the wrong part of it to get offended. Right. <laughs> un, un, unsurprisingly, fandom has said has lo- locked in on if you're one of the people who has seen them all, you're a nerd. But that's un- true anyway. <laughs> If I'm going to watch 36 movies in a franchise, I'm probably a nerd. Yes. Uh, admit it. Own it, right? I mean, 
shit at, at this point the marvel universe is has become so big despite its popularity that if you are one of the people who have seen every entry in the in the mcu you're in the minority yeah nerd is cool now like you know let, let's live with that <laughs> and and yeah there's let's just let let let's allow godzilla to be that let's let it be kind of a nerdy niche thing and that also allows it to keep going down this pathway of not being bound by very strict this is what a godzilla movie has to be isms and that's what allows us to get this like baskin robbins type of approach of let's do whatever as long as it's good um i'm good with that and, it, and yeah, it's not. It was not easy to get to that point, right? And I would say for me, it has only happened recently. Yeah, with I, the, I, yeah with no. The for me, a, the Monsters, as a Godzilla honestly. fan, for me, like it took some actual like growth in <laughs> of me as a person to get to that. But that's where I am. Um, I don't. Since we've dominated this portion of the conversation, I want to see it, Matt and Kevin, if you have any thoughts on that. Just kind of like the state of. I guess state of the Godzilla union and what all this has means because things are so different now. Okay, well, I'm going to go off on a tangent where I sound like a big douchebag that <laughs> um, gets get, gets uh, all of you uh, blacklisted on something. Um, so I kind of really resent the notion of, like you said, pigeonholing Godzilla, but pigeonholing it specifically as turn your brain off entertainment. Ooh, that, yeah. We have seen that kind of increase lately, I think. Probably with, you know, the MonsterVerse stuff. Yeah, and, and yeah. a lot of people will, you know, kind of mock you if you say that you, you like really any of the recent Japanese entries is like saying, like, ah, I, you're just saying you like it because it makes you feel smart. And like, well, it's just, it's not aggressively dumb. And they get auteurs... Who are writers you know they get hot writers they got you know Ano, Urobuchi and Encho uh, who all put a lot of thought in different ways into this, this, the way that they you know structure their s- stories and they do tend to be a lot denser than frankly the MonsterVerse movies that don't have writers at yeah all. they're not written <laughs> by humans they're written by yeah. like it's like they feed a bunch of terms into an AI or something. Well, you, you, you watch the audio commentaries, and they're like, yeah, we didn't know why they were in the Hollow Earth when we filmed this. We figured we'd figure it out later. It's like, oh. It, well, oh, yeah, oh, it oh, is okay. because that that is what Hollywood movies have shifted to, is they don't have writers. They have committees. Yeah. And a lot of Japanese entertainment has become that way, and I, I applaud that... Uh, for Godzilla, at least, they appear to be going after this this brand of no, we're going to be a little bit lofty with the way that we present this and get you know diverse voices, but voices that are unified in the sense that they all are meticulous with their scripts. So you know, that's that's my two cents anyway. What a hipster! <laughs> He's right though. <laughs> now, now I'm going to go watch. Rick and Morty, and, and talk about how you have to have a high Q, IQ to appreciate it. <laughs> what's that? Uh, what's that Falcon and Winter Soldier meme? He's out of line, but he's right. <laughs> uh, Matt, what are your parting thoughts on 
on what we're saying here, because Godzilla is way different now than it was 20 years ago. It's it's sort of come like full circle, you know. They in the in the eighties when they did, you know, violence, uh, it was like wasn't well received, wasn't super popular. It's you know, it's probably now looked back as being one of the, um, I mean, for me, like one of the most fond of the the, the Heisei era. And then after, right after that, they just were like, well, that didn't work, so we're just going to regurgitate all the movies we've already made. And then now we're getting back to like, well, they're going to try new things. And and while doing new things isn't necessarily a virtue unto itself, when it's done well, it shows a lot of how you can just do a lot with Godzilla still. Like, there's still stories that can be told. And, our, and the Western fandom, I think, has a hard time with just not being taken quote unquote seriously. Like they want, they want an edge Lord yeah. Godzilla that's getting a rated R movie. They want it to be as big as Endgame or whatever those idiots were saying, you know, comparing mm-hmm. it to <laughs> Avengers and Crime. Well, yeah. And, and the other thing is like, if you go on to like a Reddit or any of the message, uh, threads on like Facebook groups or whatever. And it's like, what do you want to see next time? And everyone's just like, I want to see Godzilla fight destroy it. I want to <laughs> see Godzilla fight space Godzilla. I want to see destroy all monsters with these monsters instead. <laughs> I want to see Gigan and Biollante in, you know, uh, the, the the next legendary movie or whatever. And it's like, okay, like, I get wanting your favorite monsters to come back and stuff. That's something that I think all of us like. But it's like, what else is there to this, though? Like, we've seen all of that. Yeah, everyone just wants, like, remakes of stuff. Let's like let's not do that, maybe. That shit wasn't popular the first time. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like I've seen Destroya. I'm not saying you can't bring him back and do something cool with him, but it's like if you just want a Godzilla vs. Destroya movie, it's like I have that film. Yeah, why can't you just go watch the one that's already there? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's wrap it up. Godzilla singular point. How many uh, Varan fakeouts out of five? I'm going to go with a four. I could actually see me going into a four and a half in the future, um, but I've watched it twice, and both times it landed at a, at a four for me. I'm going to go with three and a half, 16 dimensional. Oh, you couldn't do five. it. You couldn't do um, it. I, I can't. <laughs> you couldn't just get round up. To a four yet. No, I can't. If that ending had Um, like two minutes longer to establish some of that stuff, would you be at a probably? I probably would. So okay, so okay, so it's a very Um, that's a very big deal to you. Okay, okay, so you're at a three and a half. So if so if the if the season two comes out, I reserve the right to. I also reserve the right to (laughs) rewatch this because I've only seen it once, unlike (laughs) you guys. And and uh, and and call it a four, but I'm at right now. I'm at a three and a half. (laughs) Okay. Um, Matt, where are you? I'm at a, uh, three and a half overuse of Shin Godzilla scene. Oh, God damn you. Now, listen, I, I, I like, I like the show. <laughs> I, I think if there is a season two that it could be, it could bump up. I also think conversely, like I, I might even cool off on it a bit and bump it down to a three, but I'm at a three and a half and it's a, I mean, if you're a Godzilla fan, you should be watching this. And I think it's, there's a lot of stuff to like. Go in with an so. open mind. If you yeah. haven't watched it and you're still listening to this and it's all been spoiled, uh, go in with an open mind. <laughs> um, anime guru Kevin, where are you here? Oh, I I, I very much like it. It's uh, I could 
believe it or not, I could I could keep going for a long time, but I, I think everybody has it in the early morning, and the podcast listeners are probably tearing their hair out now. So <laughs> I will just say that I will give this uh, four adorable T-shirts, uh, four unsafe bridges, and four concussions on Yoon's head. All right. Those are all really good metrics. Um all right, so uh, I'm determined to get out of here before we cross the three-hour mark. So thank you for listening, and uh, watch Singular Point, and um, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.